What do you think this is, the army where you shoot them a mile away? You gotta get them close like this, and bing you blow their brains all over your nice Ivy League suit. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I'm gonna make them an offer again with you. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. How's Paulie? Oh, Paulie won't see him no more. I want somebody good, and I mean very good, to plant that gun. I don't want my brother coming out of that toilet with just this dick in his hands, all right? Do it for Johnny. That's a great one. <laughs> Do it for Johnny. Do it for Johnny, man. Do yeah. it for Johnny. Do it for Johnny. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. I wonder if Mendoza ever listens to our podcast. I think he would really enjoy him. Oh, is that where you went with that? See, I was thinking Outsiders. No, <laughs> you were thinking I Mendoza. Th- no, I, I was thinking Outsiders. <laughs> but then I was like, maybe Johnny would be listening to it. That's true. Like, I don't know if he, he did does this one for Johnny. <laughs> I did this one for you, man. Uh, he likes most of these movies. Oh, he, he loves France <laughs> for yeah, I hope everyone had a good time. I just got a friggin', uh, I just gotten done telling Dave I got a friggin', uh, my first traffic citation last night. And, and you drive. Ever. And I, I'm and like you a, drive for a living. And I drive for a living, and I'm like the safest driver in the world, too, but I coasted through a yellow light, and apparently that's not good for a cop that's trying to get his quota. Yeah, talk <laughs> about city needing money. Yeah, $250. $250 for friggin' going through a uh, yellow light. So I am going to contest it. I'm going to use my rights as an American to, <laughs> to complain. At least <laughs> clog up the court system for, yeah, I know, man. for two hours. Yeah, <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, I, I've contested like one before. I think the only one I've, I've gotten a, a seatbelt ticket back in the day when I wasn't wearing seatbelts, but that's kind of far from... Uh, you know what I would do? So I would go shoot a video of, of how the lane looks like. <laughs> got a presentation? A yeah, come in with the, with the easel. I'll go in with you. Be like, sir, we don't need your presentation. Back to the left. <laughs> back to the, the left. You see what happened here? <laughs> back into the left. I was hosed <laughs> is what's happening here. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what was going to me. How about your week? Anything interesting? Keep talking while I check my left. Um, um, no. <laughs> no? Not a whole no. lot. <laughs> Let me think about it for a second. Nah, I got nothing happening. Still fighting some rib injuries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Golf. How's that going? Have you been golfing still, or have you been like, off of it? I'm still practicing Yeah. probably more than I should, but I'm trying to test the limits of it because I went and got x-rays. The x-rays were yeah. negative. Yeah. And, How uh, much are you charging for that shit? I have insurance, so it was like yeah. six bucks or eight bucks. It's good to have good insurance. I have insurance. I went and got like an ultrasound, uh, thinking that w- might have been like a, for like a testicular exam, and uh, insurance covered it. She's like, "You don't have anything to pay. You could just leave." So then two weeks later, I got the bill four hundred and eighty-six dollars. Oh well, I haven't I gotten like, the bill in the yeah, mail yeah. yet. So, so but that, I pay, that might be coming. <laughs> my insurance is six hundred and fifty a month. Yeah. And it's Obamacare, so I get a subsidy of yeah, like yeah, yeah. See that's sixty. You're you're getting the good insurance that I had like uh, a couple of years ago, which I'm lucky. When I had uh, I had surgery and uh, it, they sent me the bill, it would have been forty six thousand dollars, and I paid eighty three bucks. Yeah, so the bill for <laughs> when I get bit by that dog and was yeah. in the hospital, that bill was like twenty grand yeah. for three days. And how much did you pay? Two hundred dollars. Two hundred bucks. See, that's that's crazy. See, you know, how much, was can- that? You know how much in Canada is? Yeah. <laughs> Zero. Nothing. Because <laughs> they're not crazy people. Yeah. I have been getting pretty anxious, and, and I know we're not really political guys, and we don't talk about politics too much, but 
There's a crazy person. <laughs> There's a crazy who, person. I don't know if you've been paying attention to everybody <laughs> out there. And if you're listening for another country, listen, we really apologize for <laughs> the way we look right now. Because we got a crazy person running things, man. Yeah. And you know what? The funny thing is, is I can tell my wife, I said, if I was Trump, here's if I was Trump's evil consultant, <laughs> this is what I would tell him to do. Come out and say... Jared Kushner. Say that we're... That, the, I, like I saw on Fox News, it's like Trump's victory is assured. It's just how big the landslide is going to be. <laughs> yeah, and I would just keep that narrative. Yeah, well, that's the what only reason yeah. we would lose is if if is because of mail in voter fraud. Yeah. I would be harping on that, and he's doing yeah. all the he's hitting all the. He, he still c- thinks he's going to do well in the debates, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think especially so, especially when uh, uh, Biden is pushing the well, let's have a live. Uh, like uh, like not truth counter, but what do they call that? Like uh, uh, fact checker, fact checker, and everything. So the thing is, it's like all Biden has to do is just say what Trump said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you say his own words. Yeah, he's like I'm not don't, making stuff up. I'm saying don't your even own make, words. Yeah, say, but, but here's what Trump, you said, and here's what and it he would said. make sense for Trump just to say, "No, nah, that's a lie," because he'll say that straight up. No, nah, that's that's a lie. One of my favorite well, things in uh, politics this week. Was apparently Ted. It came out that Ted Cruz was a huge. Is a huge. Um, mm. Ted Cruz is scumbag. Is a huge Princess, uh, Princess Bride. Bride fan. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. Carrie Elway says, "Oh, you're a huge Princess Bride fan." He says, "We're gonna have a virtual, like, reunion right here, and we're gonna raise money, and it's gonna all go to the candidate that's opposite uh, Ted Cruz <laughs> running in Texas, and they've raised more money for that candidate that that candidate's ever mm. had in his entire yeah, like that's great. Uh, running it. So <laughs> that's awesome. You think that motherfucker can watch uh, watch Princess Bride again?" <laughs> It's like, oh, you son, bitch! But where are the where are the the regular Republicans, yeah. the ones that we well, can deal with? Why aren't they coming? In they're just afraid they're, that they're, that Trump's base is too big and that they're gonna. We're gonna uh, remember. I this. mean, look at look at. They're Ronda. not gonna hold the office forever. No, no. And when we get in, they're uh, uh, we were too far apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, the that's Democrats what and Republicans are too far apart. I would give up some Democrat positions. Oh, yeah. if, I think bo- a lot of people would. Just to get us closer together. I mean, yeah. we can't have half the country hate each other every single time. No, and that's what it is. It's become like uh, them families them are getting torn us. apart. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. My my girl, half her family are, are like that, and she's not. Talking my business home. partner. Luckily, we don't have that problem his, really with our family. His wife is a, is is a liberal, and he's a, he's fairly conservative. Yeah. That's Fairly, I, I can understand you being old school Republican. If I was a Republican, yeah. that's how I would be referring old to myself. School. I would like be. An, I'm, an, I'm an OJ, OG uh, Republican. I'm not the OJ. Ones. You're an OJ. Republican. Uh, no, 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 not that guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's old. School that's right old there. school right there. Uh, yeah. So, well, there's plenty of politics in some of these movies we're about to talk about okay. there too. So we're going to be talking about. I'm surprised it got us up to three years before. We got to rinse for Coppola, but we tend to talk about their movies. I, certainly, we talked about a bunch of them early on, but there's a couple on here we haven't talked about at all, two, which is surprising. Two. Uh, certainly, two of them, I think, number six no, and number seven. I number think. nine, uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot, number nine either. So uh, this is going to be exciting because Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, he was caking it back in the uh, back in the day. Hasn't been doing much lately, but drinking, his, uh, making his wine and drinking his wine, which is smart on his part. The, <laughs> Have you drinking his drink. wine? I think I've, I've asked it. you good. before. It was good. Yeah. It's expensive? No. Not that bad? It's like... Instead of 10, it's like 15 or something like that? It's yeah. 20. It's 20? Yeah. Which is... A d- that's a cheap... I mean, people go crazy because... I'm not a wine guy, but if I was a wine guy, I have no problem paying for a better quality because I do that with coffee. I would never pay more than 20 bucks for yeah. a bottle of wine. Because I pay, I pay a lot for if coffee. You, the greatest wine there is is that Paisano in that... In big, the jug? In the big jug. Oh, really? 
Yeah. It's the, I mean, I used to drink that, actually, back in the day when I could tolerate wine. If you're not a wine fan, start with that. It's got it's so smooth. It's so, ridiculous. It's I can't drink it any, wine needs. anymore. But, uh, <laughs> well, you're not drinking wine? Mm-mm. Too much sugar Too in much it? Too much sugar. Yeah. Sugar and carbs, man, in my sugar enemy. I haven't had a piece of bread. I So I went back eating whole grain bread mm-hmm. last October. I don't know why we got on this tangent. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Coppola loves bread. He does. I can tell he you. He definitely does. I can tell, I can you, tell you he does. Yeah. He's Italian. He loves bread. But anyways, I had to give it up. Yeah. I just carbs and sugar, man. It's yeah. just, you got to know what's bad for you. Or when you gain yeah. 30 pounds and you're walking... Yeah, yeah. Se- I was walking... 60 miles a week <laughs> that's insane <laughs> and i gained 30 pounds and you gained 30 in pounds four months in four months yeah and then i stopped walking stopped carbs and sugar and lost almost all of that like fuck in two this months. exercise shit yeah it's not isn't that weird <laughs> it's weird it, you just gotta know or just eat, eat something alternative like uh what are those wraps no i can't do that i eat a lot of bread and i don't i love it i miss I, it every day i like it but i don't uh I miss pizza every day. Yeah, pizza would be the one thing that I uh, that I would miss. But other than that, and I do sandwiches and everything, but I have no problem like switching it to pitas or flatbread I would, or anything like I, that. You know, I was the we, we eat pasta every once in a while, yeah, but uh, been, I eat rice more than that. But speaking of Italian food, I made uh, we've been making this. Uh, it's made out of mung bean. Mung bean. It's a linguine. No, mung bean linguine. It's made from sprouts. Oh, it's made from sprouts. Interesting. And it's delicious. It's good. Yeah, it's in the Publix alternative food aisle. For and it's already it's pre-made and everything. It's pre-made. So, yeah. it's, you you literally put it in water, hot water for five minutes. Just like how fresh pasta would be, and then boom. It's yeah. it's, it's it yeah. It takes that long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not fresh. Shit. It's hell yeah. I'll have to look into that. I we'd buy those uh those those pre-made lo mein noodles that are just in the package. Oh you yeah. Just yeah. Open them yep. and dump them in your dump thing. Them in the thing. It's freaking awesome. Uh, all right, let's get back Speaking to some, of Italians. Let's talk some more Italians here because uh, <laughs> we're going to go all the way back. And, and we've left a couple of his out here because we don't want this pod to run crazy. We've got 10 uh, on the list here, and it's about the 10 that you would expect. But there's a couple left off. We didn't put uh, uh, Peggy Sue got married on yeah. here. And then there was, uh, damn, what was the other one that we didn't put on here that was uh, a big Coppola one? It'll hit me when we get to it or when we don't get to it. <laughs> uh, but. One that started it all off. I mean, because people got to remember that he was a producer way before he was a director. Not too far before, because he went to the same school. uh, I think it was the same graduating class as Spielberg and George Lucas. So him and Spielberg and George Lucas were very close. Put all their networks together. He was very close with Lucas. Because he produced um, THX 1132. They shared casting sometimes uh, too, right? they I think they did actually it wasn't as famous as like the uh, Brian De Palma one which he was another one in their group and everything so I think everyone knew and I don't know if he even I guess he always intended on being a director and he's won like five Oscars for his writing and his uh, directing and everything his daughter's doing uh, this still right and his daughter's still I haven't heard anything about her since really since Lost in Translation I'm sure she's done something since then but we'll talk a little bit more of her when we get to her flick uh <clears throat> but with The Godfather, that's the number one here, 1972. From what everyone has heard, not an enjoyable <laughs> that experience. That was his favorite him, time in the world. Not an enjoyable Ooh. experience. He was not given the uh, the uh, clout that he, he richly deserved until until number two. Number two, he could do whatever the hell he want. <clears throat> but on number one, I've told this story before, uh, because he's told this story before, that he's... He, 
during the production of The Godfather, he was like in one of the bathroom stalls with his feet up, listening to people talk about how horrible he is and he's going to get fired and don't get used to this set because they're going to come in, they're going to replace him and everything. So at every turn, he was just getting threatened. And he, he even comes out and says, he says, I don't regret a lot of the time I had on the film because it was it was an enjoyable experience to deal with the actors and the actual craft and everything. But he says I could have really used some uh, some backup. At you least know? at least the at least the lighting girl on our set had the gall to do it in front of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and even then, it's the lighting girl. It's not <laughs> it's not like the producers and everyone who's who's like. Uh, over your shoulder screaming at you that you need to stay on schedule and you need to do that and shit. That's, we kind of did that ourselves. <laughs> uh, but The Godfather, huge in our life. Uh, my mother's favorite movie probably uh, was Godfather uh, 1 and 2. If you put both of them together, they were they were n- both nominated. And we'll talk two out in a little bit here, but we're going to focus on one. But if you put both those together, 21 Oscar nominations, 9 wins. Uh, for Godfather good. one and two, that's you can sort. Of, Francis Ford Coppola can sort of, yeah, say, can, yeah, suck it. Give those double <laughs> double, double middle fingers. Suck it, <laughs> <laughs> assholes. I do what I want now. <laughs> I wonder if he's his experience on two got better. Oh, I, I think of, it got infinitely better, and I'm I'm pretty sure whoever gave him, yeah, whoever you, was under that yeah, stall, I or, bet he wasn't working. <laughs> they weren't working for him uh, <laughs> on number two. Uh, so we had fond memories of growing up and watching The Godfather. Uh, we our parents, we weren't allowed to watch certain parts of it and everything, but it was one of those ones that was on, and we would catch different things a bit. We it always wasn't had a big really... Italian culture. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. around us too. Uh, yeah, so we, it was it always kind of cool. Yeah, it seemed up north was a pretty big. Uh, there was a lot of Italians up north. There's a lot of mobsters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of mobsters. Uh, our aunt had a big Italian family, uh, and obviously the, I mean, the, the Italian our food. Had and, a huge uh, Italian our family. grandmother too was right from Italy. Our our great grandfather was. Uh, he owned that Italian restaurant, the Mansfield House. Yep, yep. that was where the laundry was. He was right was. from Italy. Grino Galanti was his name. Can't great. get much more Italian than that. Do you remember that restaurant? I don't remember. It was an Italian restaurant one side, and the other side was a bar and a bowling alley. Yeah, wouldn't See, that have been cool? It burned yeah. down. Yeah, that's the shame. That would have been great if it was like they probably burned it down the insurance money because they were part of the mob. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Goodfellas. We just had yeah. to torch it up. It's a goddamn shame. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, Godfather was a pretty simple movie. I mean, it's the it's a huge, huge epic. I think the first one was like three hours long. Mario the second one was Pose, like three and a half Pozo, hour. Mario Puzo. Uh, Puzo. Mario Puzo did the script, uh, the novel for it, but he came on and helped Francis uh, adapt it and everything. There's some great behind the scenes footage. Uh, of them working together and drinking together and uh, times where Francis came in and uh, made Italian food for the entire cast and there was some really fun kind of moments in that but and it dealt with like the uh, Italian uh, mobster you know Marlon Brando played the matriarch of the family I wonder if he was a a dildo on the set I don't think at that time. I wouldn't imagine that he would have been at that time. I think it later on that happened when he just got huge. It wasn't like the score. uh, I mean it really kind of polarized Italians at yeah. the time. And he was probably in, in it only, I mean, 20% of the movie probably. I mean, he was in it a good, decent part in the first one, but and then I just mean, in the flashbacks in the second one. Like the deer hunter, uh, that that wedding scene was probably... Oh, that was huge. A, if you're thinking wedding scenes, you, you have to hit, think deer hunter and you have to think Godfather, really. Yeah. And even Godfather 2 had that opening kind of uh, party scene. I'm not sure it was a wedding. You know, I think it was. It was uh, No, it wasn't a wedding. Uh, Which one? The party scene at, the, uh, at number two when they o- left the blinds open. 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, remember yeah, yeah. when uh, uh, What's-Her-Name made an ass out of herself, uh, Talia Shire, who a lot of people don't realize Talia Shire is uh, Francis Ford Coppola's sister. He, yeah. he has no problem with, uh, what is it called, nepotism? Nepotism. <laughs> I mean... Because he put, uh, if you don't know, Hollywood uh, doesn't Talia Shire's a sister. His uh, nephew is Jason Swartzum, who is uh, Talia Shire's son. Is it Nick Cage? And Nicholas Cage is the cousin. Uh, yeah. Or somebody, his like his other sister's kid, or something like that. And he he had been in several uh, Friends for Coppola movies. One of them we'll be talking about later on, and then uh, one of them was obviously um, Peggy Sue got married. And he worked with he loved working with uh, a lot of the actors. Some of these actors we're talking about now we'll be talking about in several movies on here. John Cazale, Al Pacino, uh, being two really big ones. I'm not sure he's worked with James Caan since that first one. You know, it's kind of strange that he didn't go back with James Caan because James Caan had such a great character in that. So yeah, we're dealing with the matriarch of the family. You're dealing with the uh, the, the the different brothers. You know, you got three brothers. You have one that just came back from the war. Who's uh, everyone? I think people aren't. Did you say Jason Schwartzman too? Jason Schwartzman, yeah. Okay. That was Tally Shire's son. I was looking up all yeah, his yeah. relatives. All the Coppola's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I, I love the Michael character because he just got back from war, and you know he's capable of doing more than he is, but I don't think his brother and the family have any idea who he's become since the war. You know, you get kind of get that impression at the wedding that, yeah, Michael, you're not cut out for this, and uh, you, you're too busy. Well, they wanted to keep him. They did want to keep him, of. but they also weren't sure, like... Uh, uh, Clemenza really thought he could do it, and uh, Tessio thought he could do it. But remember, uh, uh, Sonny just like laughed in his face when uh, when shit hit the fan, and Michael wanted to step up. He's like, "What are you gonna do? You know, good college boy like you." <laughs> and then you have the third uh, brother, who's just the fuck up, Fredo, played brilliantly by the John Cazale, who really screws shit up. We talked about him a little bit, me and Justin, the last pod during uh, our character actor pod. One of my favorite moments is when he he. Spills he beans. screws up and he just yeah. like uh, lets his father get killed. I mean, he was never going to do anything anyways. I mean, even if he had his gun in his hand, I mean, what the hell is Fredo going to do, really? Yeah. You can't, you don't hire Fredo as your bodyguard. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, come on, what the hell? Is there some favorite moments in this movie? We don't, we haven't mentioned uh, the great uh, Tom Hayden. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Duvall. Stur- Tom. Uh, Robert Duvall. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really great. Who yeah. also obviously worked with him, uh, worked with him again. I mean, I, I'm. A huge fan. I, my fa- I, I like two more than one, to be honest with you. Yeah, I like two more than one. I think a lot of people like two more than one. I liked the, yeah, I think I like there was the a lot backstory of that was like stuff that. That, with Bruno Kirby and... Yeah, Bruno Kirby and De Niro. I, I mean, to, De Niro, and De Niro yeah, one is... Uh, we don't have to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get but to The that. first one, I mean, the memorable scene to me, and hopefully I don't get stuff confused. Well, I'll help you. Uh, so... Sonny gets killed in the first yeah, one. Yeah, Sonny gets killed in the first that one. That scene when he pulls up to the oh, toll yeah. booth yeah. and they get him. That was a big scene when we were young. When we were young, we were like, they I remember him watching that. Bullets, man. Or uh, Dad used to show us these weird scenes. He he would show us like a, a few of the violent scenes. I was like, yeah. why can't we watch this? You're showing us the stuff that probably yeah. mom wouldn't no want us to watch. There's nudity on the... Uh, yeah, there was nudity on it. I mean, there was just that, just that girl taking her top off in Italy oh. uh, with Michael. I think that was maybe the only nudity in it. It might have been another little nude scene in it, but not. it wasn't a it wasn't a nudity problem. It was more of a violence problem. And that was some of the best scenes. I mean, that great collage at the end where Michael had to take everybody oh, out. Oh, yeah. You know, when he shot Mo Green Mo in the Green, eye. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Frank Zito got the guy in the uh, the turnstile. Mm-hmm. Uh, there <laughs> that was one great. Heavy set dude that had to walk up all those steps. Oh, Clemenza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> leave, the, leave the gun, take the cannoli, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love Clemenza in that. He was great. Uh, and... 
I loved uh, Dave Pagoda in it, and it had such an all-star cast with great scenes. I loved the obviously the horse in the uh, in the bed scene was an epic, epic scene, and just I mean more than just that uh, that image of him waking up. It is the idea that uh, to show that you're not going to screw with this family. You know, you, you will comply, or we will do something horrible to you, and you won't be able to. Uh, pin it back to us you know so I, I love the godfather godfather was so good the music the music i'm pretty sure that was one of the uh oscar wins that it had was the music i mean it's just had everything and it and it really capsulated the, who did 70s. the music mancini no damn that's a good question what that sounds right like henry mancini henry mancini i'm pretty sure didn't he also do friday 13th or i'm thinking of the other guy uh yeah you'll have to look that up while we're talking here I'm trying to think of the other scenes. I, I love uh, the Italian restaurant scene. It's probably my favorite scene of the movie, where Sterling Hayden comes in as the uh, as oh, the crooked cop. Yeah. And uh, I, I was fascinated when I was younger uh, listening to the Italian. I remember being like, oh, I want to learn Italian and be able to watch The Godfather and be able to kind of like watch it without the subtitles and know what that guy is talking about. So I love that other guy who kind of... Nino Rota. What was his name? Nino Rota. Nino Rota was the, was the composer? Yep. Wow, I would have never guessed that. I love the guy who was in the Italian restaurant that he was doing the deal with. I'm not sure what his name was in the movie, but he played a great character in The Getaway, the uh, the Steve McQueen getaway. He played the crazy motherfucker that was chasing him all over town. That was like the only other thing I had seen him in. He was really, really good in it, though. Uh, Sterling Hayden, too. I'm not used to Sterling Hayden playing such a prick. Uh, usually pretty funny, and just uh, uh, he was in The Killing, and obviously Dr. Strangelove he was great in. But <laughs> when you when you think The Godfather, all you think is him like getting shot in the throat. Oh, it was such a great scene. They're trying to steal my bodily essence. Yeah, steal my bodily essence, man. <laughs> Mandrake. Mandrake. <laughs> I you and I were there. I was feeding the gun. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so yeah, man. Once the Godfather came out, I mean, he really could write his own ticket of anything he wanted to do, and it made Pacino a star. I'm not sure how many big movies Pacino did before this, but it wasn't a whole lot. I mean, I think he was just mainly a theater actor. So I think it it like allowed everyone to do everything. Without the Godfather, you probably wouldn't have uh, Talia Shia playing Adrian uh, because that was '75. So she had already what gotten a, herself what a shift for her. Yeah. Oh yeah. To go from the fiery Italian sister to the yeah. mousy little, and it was weird because shop. she was kind of mousy in the first Godfather, and then she got like an attitude in the yeah. second one, and then the third one she's like running shit. So yeah. it was that's kind of an arc that I always thought was really interesting, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are gonna shit on Godfather three. I don't shit on it as much as most people. If you know Italian uh, families, the women in those families. Are oh yeah, the fiery, fiery. <laughs> yeah. And I can just point to to John Christian's mom was oh, yeah, full man. Italian <laughs> and. I oh, she was, she was there brutal. They would yell. I would get out. She would yell at me yeah. at the top of her lungs. I remember like being that. in the backyard or over there with the uh, that the son Peter or something mm-hmm. like that, and then they would uh, she would just go off, and I'd be like, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> yeah, she was a character for sure. All right, let's go to the next one we'll, because we'll talk some more Godfather here in a second. This is gonna be a lot of Godfather, so we'll we'll keep it uh, trimmed up. The conversation we talked about this in, like. Uh, uh, Probably like six or seven pods ago, but we'll talk about it like More we haven't uh, we haven't talked about it. I love the conversation. It's one of the Francis Ford Coppola movies of, of most of these. If I was to kind of to pick the ones most people haven't seen, probably the conversation, probably Tucker, and probably Rumblefish are like the three Coppola movies that people don't even may not even know that Francis Ford Coppola mm-hmm. did, and certainly don't know how great they are. 
The Conversation is one of my favorite uh, Gene Hackman movies. It's so underplayed by him and such a different type of movie. I can't recommend it to everybody because it's, it's, slow. it's so slow. Uh, Frederick Forrest. That was the first Frederick Forrest movie. Who had your buddy again from uh, Godfather, Fredo. Yep, John Cazale. It was one of five John Cazale movies. So he, but uh, Frederick Forrest, I, I always thought was great. The heavy set guy? He's like, no, he's the, the skinny guy. Uh, never get out of the boat. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like a chameleon, dude. Every time yep. you see him, he looks completely yep. different. I, a lot of people remember him as the, uh, he was the first boss in uh, 21 Jump Street yep. before they got the black guy later he on. He was the hippie dude. Uh, he was the real hippie dude. And he was the Nazi guy from Falling Down. Yeah. Crazy. Like, like shaved head. Never too, seen though, him right? shave. Never seen his head shaved before. And I was like, what the hell is Frederick Forrest doing here? And in the conversation, he was very, like, he had that kind of, like, 70s hair swoop. He was just very, he wore a suit to the whole movie. And he was the one that was walking with Cindy Williams, mm-hmm. uh, who's uh, Shirley from Laverne and Shirley. Uh, and what was going on in the conversation is uh, Gene Hackman was a, uh, what would PI. you call it? He was like a PI that listened to conversations. He was a... And, uh, uh, yeah. Recorded recorded conversations surveillance. On, on surveillance and unbeknownst to the people he was having like a giant in the industry. Remember yeah, how people, much respect people, people had for him? Like when he went to the trade show. The and trade show was like, fun, man. The trade show was really really. And a that clever one guy thing wanted to, to like. Yeah, the Johnny Wishbone guy yeah, Johnny <laughs> from uh, from Beverly Hills Cop too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was a scumbag in it, but it was fun, man. I I love how uh, uh, he was. Yeah, like you said, he was kind of renowned in the industry as the best of the best because and the. They talk about the the opening scene that he was recording. So they've got these. He's got two people. He's in like a, he's got a van there. He's got like three people on the ground, and he's in like I'm pretty sure he's in like his office or something doing the recordings, and uh, he's just recording a conversation of two people going around this. But they were, but they were but surrounded with like hundreds of people. hundreds of people, and there were there was music going on, and these people were there to have that conversation because they didn't want to be recorded mm-hmm. or uh, spotted, and they were talking about something that uh, they shouldn't be talking about. And uh, Gene Hackman had been hired by uh, um, Harrison Ford, yep. the first of two movies that he did with Harrison Ford that people don't even realize uh, because he had such a small role in this, and even a smaller role in the, uh, in the uh, his next uh, France Ford Gobl- uh, or Harrison Ford movie, which was Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. and uh, small role by uh, uh, Robert Duvall, and a very small role. You just kind of saw him at the end, and well, he was. He ended up being the twist. Yeah, he was kind of the twist in you, the whole thing. You, you assumed one thing yeah. from the recording that he had made, because what he did is he recorded, but he also had to scrub it. Yeah, he had to scrub it so you so could you hear could, exactly what it was. And Which, if, if you've ever done that, yeah. is a, it's like... It's a bitch. I, <laughs> I spent the audio we did in the top yeah. that one time for Silent Dove. Mm-hmm. And we, it was like it was just insane. trying to find... Like Usable. putting it through past filters yeah. and yeah, I've done that before oof. too. It's 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 a pain in the ass, and I would think it'd be even more of a pain in the ass if in you're 1974. if you're a filmmaker, <laughs> if you're a budding amateur filmmaker out there, spend more time on the audio than yeah. you think you need to. Get room tone for everything, every location you're at. Get a room and tone. Choose your locations based on yeah. the ambient noise. Yeah, and if they have a central AC system that can't be turned off, oof. go somewhere else. Go someplace else. You're gonna you're gonna sweat your ass off. The funny we, thing we is, did. That one of our, one of our triumphs was the beach scene. Yeah, <laughs> the beach scene so came up great. We were worried. Noisy. We were super concerned. We were like, we're never gonna hear any of this. Like, yeah. we'll we'll try it. We'll see what happens. And we're like, well, but this sounds better than anything. The, that's 
what room tone is. Yeah, it's I mean, we would have had to just, add that otherwise. Yeah, it's basically just white noise in the background. As long as it's consistent, yeah. the audience can wrap their head around in it. In most cases, they would just film you in ADR and then just put that waves over it, and you would never know. But so, uh, Quick tip. Yeah, quick tip. Uh, some of the stuff in conversation, the, like the first twist that happened. So he made this recording not realizing how important it was. Yeah. He, he went to deliver it, and Harrison Ford's like, you can give it to me. I'll, I'll give it to him. He says, nah, that's not the deal. I, I have to give it to uh, Robert Duvall. Take the money and stay and, out and not and to the point be involved. Where, and Harrison Ford's like, I got your money right here. And the, at the point where they were like tugging at it, remember? They both <laughs> yeah, had it in yeah. their hands, and uh, Gene Hackman had to tug it away from him. He says, you're not going to get it. And then they went into that cool party that they had, which was, it was weird that, that Gene they would, Hackman agreed to have it. It was very weird that he, it was like, oh, it was almost have it at my after party, yeah. where they're like, they were all out drinking, and they're like, where are we going to go now? And he's like, well, come back to my, I have a loft. For yeah, my, and he has like, it was his workshop. But he, he had stuff there that he, he, yeah. he, and so he's he's dealing with uh, that that one wisecracking guy from Beverly Hills Cop Two. He's got John Cazale there. They're all having a good time. There's one girl that's flirting with Gene Hackman, and then uh, Gene Hackman ends up sleeping with one girl, and he wakes up, and lo and behold, the tape is missing. Yeah. So he knows he's been s- screwed. Someone stole that thing, and he knows You're in that has business. To do you gotta have a safe, man. That's so it, poor I, planning. We won't reveal everything that happens with it and everything, but it was. It was a great look at a uh, occupation that you weren't very aware of, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was that little stuff that you got to see him, and that both you and uh, I enjoy in movies—that kind of monotonous yeah. activities that we get to see somebody. I who don't know why does. I like it. Like I like it too, you when, know. Uh, Zodiac when he's researching, when he's just doing research and stuff like that. The, I could watch that the, for a half hour. Yeah. Which you, if you're watching Zodiac, you are watching it for a half hour. More. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, check out the conversation if you're a Francis Ford Coppola fan. I mean, if you like all his other movies. Check Chances are you're going to like that, too. And you get to see uh, Gene Hackman in a role that you normally don't get to see him in. Uh, all right, Godfather 2, man. Let's let's uh, uh, geek over Godfather 2. Before I start that, have you ever seen uh, The Godfather Saga on television? It's called The Godfather Saga. Mm-mm. Do you know what that is? They cut it uh, differently so that they... They cut them together. So they cut they Godfather 1 and 2 together. Go linear. So it, it goes linear. So yeah. you're seeing the... Italian stuff mm-hmm. of at the Vito beginning. at the beginning, yeah, and then the, the, it's I can do it's that very unique. Own. It's a very <laughs> unique look. Like if you've seen The Godfather and Godfather Two several times, yeah, I'm not sure where you could find The Godfather Saga. It's it, it always was on television. For some reason, they always played it on television. I remember used to seeing it on the write up. I was like, "What is The Godfather Saga?" And then I had to do was some it research. Over several nights, or was no? It I think it was just like a it was six like six hour TMZ five hour. It was like TMC uh, like friggin uh, four or five hour. Block or something. It had to been more than that. It must have been like six hours or something. Six. Uh, and, and it was enjoyable. I wish they had released that. Uh, it would have been a fun one for them to release on DVD. I'm pretty sure they haven't though. So you're still gonna have to like butt them up against each other, which is just still enjoyable. Like you said, I think what I enjoyed most about The Godfather Two is not only is Michael in charge, and uh, you're just seeing how he's handling the family now, but you're also intercutting uh, the, the stuff with Michael with young Vito Corleone in Italy, even from when he was a baby, you know, or, or mm-hmm. a kid. Uh, no, I guess as a baby, too, you got to see him being, uh, uh, like, a toddler and everything, and uh, he gets put on a, uh, he gets put on that ship, goes to Ellis Island, and just shows how he's kind of coming up. They in, shot uh, his thing. mother. They shot his mother, man. And, and like they a, tried to shoot him. In, like, a Wu-Ping-type style where he yeah. shot her, and she flew back, like, a, uh, this was before, like, wire work, and it wow. like, I don't know how they did it, but they, she went flying. <laughs> I bet if you got shot with that shotgun yeah. double barrel. So he had to see his, uh, Vito had to see his mom killed, and then he, like, what, he run in the cornfield? or something like that and he just got away yep, and they, they got, got him away. on a they boat they hit him remember yep. and they went through the streets and yeah, they said anyone was hiding yeah. this boy yeah. 
you know, be killed. Yeah. Or, yeah. And uh, they got him out of the last to train that to Clarksville. Guy, uh, one of the more violent oh, scenes man. in the whole movie. Love is when, scene. I, I love that. That knife. That and the old oh, man couldn't. I love the fact that Vito went to New York. He, he, he built himself up to be who he is kind of in The Godfather. But at some point when he got big enough, he just took a break to go to Italy to kill the motherfucker yeah. who killed his mom, mm-hmm. did it, and just came back. You know, hey, I'm bringing you some olive oil. And, and added, why don't you tell us how he killed him, man? It was, it was he, brutal, man. He he was talking to him, and he the guy... Like, he had, like, hard of hearing. So yeah, he was like, you so gotta guys like, come closer, come closer. And, like, you know, he said, this is for my yeah. mother. And he pulls out a knife, and he cuts him... Cuts him in a, the a, lower from stomach, stomach and then up. up. Yeah. And just like, it, I mean, the guy was probably 90 years you know, old. he was ready to die anyway. You know, but the I wind would have killed him, but. <laughs> but he had to, you know. And uh, yeah, it was a brutal death. He, he probably would have worked just the stabbing to the chest or something, but the stabbing in the gut and then like raising all the way up. I'm not even sure you could do that with the sternum. Maybe not. not. I don't know, but he. And then he left the knife in there, and it was it was brutal, man. It was one of the more gruesome deaths for sure. And it, but he, uh, we also had the, all the stuff in Havana. Got, yeah, yeah, which with, with Hyman, uh, Roth. Hyman Roth. Yep. I like that actor that plays. Hyman oh yeah, Roth. I don't know if what I've seen him in before. There had to have been other stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what Hyman Roth had been in. But that was good, man. I love the fact that uh, Fre- this was obviously where Fredo he put Fredo in charge of Las Vegas. So this was the point where. He he had so much gambling going on. He was still. I don't think he was. Was he dealing with drugs in this one? Uh, I think he didn't want to deal with drugs. Along I mean, the with whole a lot of the mafia. The, the mafia had a for the longest time had a strict rule against against drugs. drugs, and then eventually everyone started doing it. But it usually led to their downfall. I mean, you look at the good look at Goodfellas is one that really capsulated that a lot. But and in Godfather Three, they became too, completely uh, legit. They killed Bruno Kirby. What's that? Donnie Brasco, remember when he had to kill Bruno Kirby? Oh, that was over him. drugs? Was it over yeah, drugs? Remember I can't even remember. Yeah, I remember selling heroin in oh, Miami yeah. when they went down to Miami. That was a brutal-ass one, too, man. Yeah, that stuff in Havana was really good. I I love uh, dealing with Mo, the Mo Green uh, stuff. Uh, and uh, what else was a major thing from number two? They... They got every Ben back for number two. They didn't get everyone back for number three, and we'll talk a little bit about that when we what, get to it. Was but. number two when uh, when he, when they had the Senate stuff? Yeah, the Senate stuff. And when he set up the senator yeah. was so good. Oh, wow. <laughs> when he had to call Tom yeah. Hayden, and Tom Hayden came over, she was having a good time. I remember her laughing. Uh, they're dealing with this shitty uh, senator who came right out to Michael and said, uh, you're a scumbag. I have nothing to do with your family. I'm not going to help you with anything you have to do. And Michael's like, you sure? know, basically, you're like, yeah. you sure you want to do that? And then basically Michael's like, all right, we're going to have to take the high road. So they end up setting him up. He ended up getting a, uh, a prostitute in one of the Corleone's like, businesses and everything. And they killed the prostitute. And he woke up, with, instead of waking up with a horse in his head, he woke up with a dead prostitute in his, in his bed. And uh, the consigliari showed up, Tom Hayden, and said, you know, we'll take care of this. But you know how you're going to vote now, right? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, I guess you got me now. And we also got the stuff with uh, with uh, Michael Gaza, uh, who was the guy who opened his veins in the uh, the tub. Oh, but they yeah. ended up bringing his brother in yeah. at the end, which was really cool. Uh, I, I really Didn't even say stuff. have to say a Didn't word. Didn't say a word, man. I thought that was so great. Yeah, there was a lot going on in number two, and I thought that was what was really enjoyable to I it. really liked the Bruno Kirby... When they were when they were stealing rugs and shit. Yeah, they're stealing rugs. It's my friend's rug. With uh, Johnny, Ro- not Johnny Roast Beef. It was uh, what was the other guy? Uh, 
from Goodfellas, the guy with the fro, the guy whose wife had the coat on. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, that was the Johnny Rose beef, but it was the second guy that came in. He's like, one guy bought a uh, coat. No, it was the guy whose wife bought the coat because I remember the guy yeah. came in with a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. One you morons bought a coat, the other one bought a Cadillac. <laughs> so get the fuck out! I don't care where you bring it, just get it out. Uh, he was in it. He he played young Tessio. So, Brutal Kirby played young Clemenza, who ended up being the big fat guy in uh, number one, and then Tessio became uh, Abe Vigoda. And so, you got to see them as kind of young men. Remember, they were at that it's play. It's funny how they fucked him over after all that. Yeah, you wouldn't think they would, man. But you wouldn't uh, think they would fuck him over. You would think those were the two people that he could, he could trust. trust. But, yeah, Tessio like, ended up I remember when uh, one of my favorite scenes is when they, they were going to try to kill him, mm-hmm. and the plot went wrong. Remember Abe Vigoda... For number in number one was that number one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When he when, when he asked, he Tom, went to Michael. He went to Michael. And he says the guy who asked after the funeral asked uh, whoever or, asks you to that'll set up the meeting. Yeah, is, yeah. He's he's the, he's the one. And then it turns out. But th- then he went to Tom Hayden. He's like, can you cut me a deal? Says, like, can you get me out of this? Yeah. Old time's sake, nope, can't do it. They got Polly, yeah. the uh, guy who beat the hell out of Talia Shire. He got him too. I, I love the cleaning house in that number one, but it, it was similar in number two. They had they had several cleaning house scenes, kind of in number two. I mean, that's sort of uh, emblematic of of a uh, gangster movie. Oh, for sure. One of my There's favorite uh, turf wars, and then whoever wins, sort of. Yep. I mean, that's what it is. You got to take out the other crew eventually. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. At least the head guys, the soldiers, I guess you'd call them. Sometimes uh, you got to kill their kids too. So I love come back. De Niro taking out the the head mobster. Oh, and he New had York. the light bulb. Yeah, we had the light bulb, and it was during the parade, and he wrapped that uh, towel around. I his like gun. how the towel caught fire, and it kind of like yeah. freaked him out. And then he I had, don't know if he that... had to unwrap it and then uh, stashed it. I remember he broke the gun up in several pieces and dropped, and, and down dropped him down the chimney. the chimney pipes and everything, and he's just going across the roofs and everything. You're like. Ah, this is so great to watch this happen. So I was I was thrilled that De Niro got the award for that, and he kind of didn't have any scenes with uh, Brando, didn't have any scenes with anybody really from The Godfather, other yeah, than just him and Bruno uh, Kirby. other than Bruno Kirby and the guy from Goodfellas. So uh, it was good, man. Most people look at Godfather and Godfather Two. Anytime people play that game, you know what sequel is better than the original? And th- there's there's more of those than you think. That uh, there's a lot more of horror movies that, uh, you, yeah. that fall into that line, mm-hmm. and several times some action movies you think. Terminator 2 is definitely better than the first Terminator. Uh, but when you think dramas like that, there's not a whole lot of them that will beat the uh, the first one. But Godfather 2, ooh, it's right up there, man. It's an argument for sure if of which you like better. All right, this next one, movie you've probably never seen. I've we're still in the 70s. I haven't seen it since, since last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally. Uh, literally. I, I was watching it before I even knew that this was the... That's awesome. It was in this DVD yeah, player this is, this is when I asked you who, what we were doing. Top five? One of your oh, top five? for sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it above uh, your, your top one still uh, Zodiac? Would it be Zodiac? Zodiac, Munich, JFK. Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, and... I'm sure there's... We'll have to go I'd back to episode one. Episode one, I think, is where you did your top five. So yeah. that, I bet it's pretty similar. I bet it's pretty similar. It's probably similar. similar. My, mine doesn't change much either. Big Trouble in Little China, um, um, Escape from New York, uh, Blade Runner, and then it kind of gets fuzzy after three. I could kind of put different... Jaws. Uh, no, it doesn't get fuzzy. So it doesn't get fuzzy until number five. I, I think I could plug a different one in number, number five. five but. I would say you probably that uh, Mike Myers comedy. Ah, oh, sorry, Mary Nashburn. It's, it's hard to put a comedy on your top five, you know. But if if I was going, it is my top comedy. I can tell you that. Yeah, uh, I do love that one. But Apocalypse Now, I mean, Apocalypse Now is in my top twenty, probably, and definitely the redo. We've talked about that before. If you're an Apocalypse Now fan, watch the redo. Uh, yeah, put, I put in the effort to put the extra French 
scene. Not anymore. I mean, after you've seen it four it's times. It's a break from the war for yeah. you as a viewer as much as it is for him as a character. Yeah, I mean, that was the big chunk that was missing from the original. I mean, there obviously was that stuff with the Playmates that was new. Which was disturbing. Uh, which, was, which was good, and it, it was cool. It was. I'll take any extra footage like that as long as they don't do what they're doing now and take stuff out. I told you about the yeah. uh, the Rocky Four thing. Yeah, that's silly. It's, it's so stupid. I, I haven't bought a, a copy yet. Uh, I have a copy of my own, but I should buy a copy because it's going to become that movie that people are going to be like, you know, you don't pull stuff out people have grown up with. It's like pulling it's like pulling the horse's head scene out from Godfather. No, I think that's it's cruelty to animals, even though it's a fake animal. So we're just going to take it out of the movie. That's ridiculous. I all about you adding stuff. A- add it if you want, because you can always get the. Uh, most times it's the director's cut. It's and there have been times where I've not liked the director's cut. Well, uh, there's been several. The one that the weird one that immediately comes to my head, uh, such a random comedy is. Uh, Empire Records, they did a director's cut for that, and it's horrible. Really? Horrible, horrible. The extra scenes they put in, I was like, this just slows the movie down, and the tempo has completely changed. And once you're, because you're almost, when you've seen something so many times, I mean, how many times have you seen Apocalypse Now? 30? 35, Yeah, 40, 35, 50. 40 times. You, there's something in you that knows what scene's coming next, you know? Plus, it's also one of those movies, I have several of those these movies, but it's one of those movies where I can jump to a yeah, scene yeah. if I have 20 minutes. Is there a specific scene that you jump to in Apocalypse Now when you do it? Um, I'll jump to... I'll jump to the French stuff. Yeah. Because I like the stuff coming out of it as yeah, well. Yeah. That whole conversation at dinner time was really great. Yeah. And I, I was talking to Justin last week. It's like with coming to America. I love it. Seen it probably 15 times and everything, but I always jump to New York. I've seen the beginning. It takes 25 minutes for them to get to New York. I mean, you forget about it, that that's how much time they spend in Zumunza. And, uh, and it, it, it's oh. decent and everything, but not until they get to New York. When they land, that's where I start the fucking movie, man. Because you don't need the backstory. I don't need it. I know what it is. And it, it's good and everything. But All right, so Apocalypse Now. I mean, huge movie. It's such a big movie that one of the best documentaries. If, if you, I'm, I'm still trying to find the documentary. I had it at one point. His wife did uh, it. His wife recorded the documentary. It's called A Heart of Darkness. Someone had a heart attack. And, uh, he had a heart Martin attack. Sheen had a heart attack on the set. And they had they they like flew in baby Charlie Sheen and like Emilio Estevez. I mean, I don't know how old they were. They were probably ten or twelve to see their dad because he had the heart attack and he got better obviously. And uh, but some of the biggest actors in the world were come out of Apocalypse Now. We we mentioned Frederick Forrest, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who was like fourteen or fifteen during the uh, filming of the movie, super young. Obviously, Marlon Brando, Dennis Hopper, one of the first, I think it's the first Dennis Hopper movie that he uh, worked with. He might have produced one of Dennis Hopper's movies, but he, this was the first one he actually starred in. And uh, who else are we missing on in that major cast? Uh, Harrison Ford. Um, who else was on the boat with him besides Lawrence Fishburne and Frederick Forrest? The, ca- the boat was captain wasn't famous. Um, um, I can't think the of anyone else. The surfer dude wasn't famous. The sur- no, the surfer, Timothy Bottoms. Yeah, he was. Is he? Yeah, was he, he a real surfer? Uh, I wonder. I don't know. He was in last uh, picture show, though. Uh, okay. Really good. Uh, Timothy Bottoms. And he, he does uh, random stuff. That scene where he drops acid during the war, uh, during, oh, during the incursion the, and stuff. So I'm when, like, what the hell? The one scene that I really like is when... Uh, they, they, there's that. They get to pass the bridge they wanted. Remember, they had the bridge that the that was an assault. Yeah, and it was getting blown up at night. Yeah, yeah. And he when he was sh- on acid, he yeah. went he went ashore, and he had the puppy with him. Yep. And Martin Sheen, and they jump into a foxhole. Yeah. And they're like, "Who's in charge here?" He's like, "We don't you? know." Yeah, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, 
showed the confusion of war. Yeah, for sure. they're like, there's, there's zips on the wire, zips on the wire. They get, get, get the roach. Yeah. And the one dude shows up. They were listening to Jimi Hendrix super loud. Yeah. And he turned it off, and he has that that uh, what do they call that gun that launches the, the uh, like a flare? It was no, a, no it was, it was a, flare a gun? It, it was a they have it in conflict Vietnam. You put the grenade launcher grenade launcher yeah but it was a handheld like a shotgun but it shot grenades yeah remember and he just sat there and listened <laughs> to see if he could hear voices and then he, he they like he shot it and he blew the people up and yeah, it, was, man. it was pretty I confusing love the, i mean the it was the whole movie felt like three or four different movies i mean once they got to uh colonel kurtz's kind of camp it was like a whole different i thing mean the there, production man. god i mean on that set was was just insane. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff on the boat, that's a hard, miserable set to be on, man. Miserable but set like to be on. But like that assault scene when they first, when he first met up with the Airborne, mm-hmm. Air Cav, yeah, Air yeah, yeah, yeah. Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think about that when I watch it because you think of like, uh, even like with Jaws, when, they, when they're on the, anytime you're on a boat for a good chunk of a movie, you know it's just a miserable set. I watched... Uh, that crawl? Have you heard of that uh, movie? Well, it's crawl? Uh, no crawl. Oh, like uh, it's about. Um, it had Barry Pepper in it, and I hadn't seen Barry Pepper in forever. And it was at Redbox, and I had they just came to Hulu, so I watched it the other night. It's a horror movie about uh, uh, hurricanes hitting Florida, and uh, a girl couldn't get a hold of her dad, so she went to the house and she couldn't find him, and went downstairs, and there was a crawl space underneath the house, and he got. Uh, he got bit. He didn't. He has a huge bite mark on him. You know what it was. And then she turned the corner and is like, uh, the problem with it was like, uh, CGI gators. And it was like six gators in the crawl space. So her and uh, Barry Pepper are, are caught in the crawl space behind pipes, trying to get <laughs> away from the gators nightmare. and everything. Already. And uh, it, it was an insane thing. But all I could think was, I was like. They're in the water for 90% of the movie. This is one of the most miserable sets Ugh. I could possibly imagine. They're in a crawl space in the water. I mean, obviously the gators are CGI, but that's not the problem. The problem, it's it's that set. I mean, that they had to, like, flood or do whatever the hell to. I wouldn't want to be part of that shit. And that's what I think of when I think uh, Apocalypse like, Now. because uh, That sounds like not Leviathan, but the other one. Not Leviathan. Oh, Abyss? Yeah. Yeah, Abyss was like that. They had to build that tank. I mean, they built that crazy tank for this. Apocalypse Now, I think they just went to Cambodia. I think they just went to Cambodia. Philippines. Was it the Philippines? Yeah, I I know most of the time when they're trying to do a Vietnam movie, they either go to Cambodia or Philippines. Philippines is probably the safer one. It's bombed out enough to look authentic. (laughs) Hasn't changed much. (laughs) But we have a better relationship with that government. Yeah. Except what was the... Oh, uh, Platoon. Yeah. The Civil War broke out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While they were filming Platoon. Jesus. Yeah, that's what you got to worry about when you're. Yeah, as they go to Hawaii. Let's film in Norway. <laughs> Nothing yeah. bad ever happens in Norway in the summertime. Gonna, that's not going to fucking uh, a match unless for Vietnam. Stumble, unless you stumble upon one of those yeah. ritual. What's that latest movie when the people jumped off the cliff? When they jumped off the cliff. Hmm. What movie where they jumped off the cliff? And they and they came up with hammers and they. They were ritually killing themselves for this. Oh, oh, Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. Now that's probably where they filmed that. That Norway, or that was supposed to be in Sweden, anyway. So, yeah, yeah. That was perfect for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What was some of your favorite stuff from Apocalypse? Now, I, I love the stuff of him with the beginning, where he's like, uh, he's just going nuts I, in his room together. One of the best use of uh, narration, I thought. Yeah, really good. Unbelievably. Yeah, awesome. Martin Sheen. You got to hear his. Never get out of the boat. You got. Well, it was right. like <laughs> because. 
so they told he was a killer. He was a contract killer, basically for the military. He's sat. He's a, yeah, I mean, we we kind of got away from where the. He's uh, like, how many people have I killed? Well, there was the six that I know about where I clo- killed. I was close enough to have their blow their last breath in my face. Yeah, and and so. He agreed to it because he wanted a mission. Yeah, and he made his the, his, the, big, the high up brass wanted him to hunt down uh, a rogue kind of general, but like a a really decorated. Yeah, yeah. Like who they're not even sure how the hell he could have lost his mind, but he's he's living in the woods with a tribe of people like uh, almost worshiping him. Yeah, uh, to the I mean, point that was one of uh, his, that uh, was one of uh, Harrison Ford's line. Yeah, they worship him like a god. Yeah. And you didn't realize it until he and pulled up. And he's still up. in the field commanding when, troops. When you pulled up, when they oh, pulled man, up, and you, you saw, saw the like, heads and the, uh, it was like Vlad the Impaler kind of shit going yeah, on. And then yeah. uh, Dennis Hopper, who was the only voice of reason, and if when if Dennis Hopper's the voice of reason, you got problems. Yeah. <laughs> Hit him with the sirens. Hit him with the sirens. Uh, oh, I, there's some great behind the scenes stuff of that scene too. That opening shot to oh, that yeah. coming in when they're coming in. When they're up. coming in, yeah. and you have uh, you have the boat almost doing no wake. And then you had everybody in the canoes, mm-hmm. and you had the red smoke everywhere, oh, yeah. and the bodies hanging from trees, big wide shots, and uh, it's crazy, man. It's great. There was uh, so the documentary, a, a lot of what the documentary, uh, they didn't know how to end the movie, and they show a lot of that in the documentary where it's nothing but Francis Ford Coppola, Dennis Hopper, Mar- Marlon Brando, and Martin Sheen all sitting around like in that temple. Just trying to figure out how we should end this. What what is? I mean, the most I think they got thing? it right. Oh, I think they did get it right. And there's some really kind of that crazy scene with the. Uh, with the cow. I can't watch it with the cow. Yeah. yeah. I say same with Southern Comfort. I can't watch the uh, the scene with their gut and the pig. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't do it. I know a lot of people can, and but mm. I mean, they really did that I for can. the movie. Yeah. I, that was the problem with it. It's, it. It would be different if it was like a CGI or something, but they, they killed. They, they killed that thing. Did it real? Hopefully, they used oh, I'm sure it they as a ritual. It. Yeah, I'm sure they ate it. So I mean, that makes at least. It's somewhat better. Didn't just <laughs> throw it on a pile of bunch of other dead cows because they yeah. needed six takes. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go into the 80s here, man, because there's, right. there's two movies that kind of are good companion pieces to the 80s, all, both written by the same uh, uh, female author, Essie Hinton, I think is her name, and she wrote these when she was young. I think she was just started college, maybe, or just finished high school. And the first book she had written was The Outsiders, which is huge, man. I remember they Talk about a cast. I mean, they played this for us in high school. I remember they would... Mm-hmm. They would wheel in the, uh, the not projector but the TV and we would just sit and watch it and everything and that was probably the first time I'd watch it no I probably watched it at home because they used to play it on HBO all the time but yeah the cast let's see if we can do it without missing anybody here so Matt Dillon Matt Dillon we'll go back and forth Patrick I'll do Patrick Swayze okay Ralph Macchio Ralph Macchio C. Thomas Howell um uh from no just Rob Lowe Rob Lowe do we say Emilio Estevez Nope. Nope, Millie Rest of Us. Um, you already said C. Thomas Howell, yep, right? Yep, yep. Uh, let's see. You already said Ralph Macchio. Biggest actor in the world. Biggest actor we haven't in mentioned. the world. Had a small role in it. Not a big one. Tom Cruise. Yep, Tom Cruise. Uh, Diane Lane. Uh, now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, trying to think. Was there dad... In this at all? No, Leaf Garrett. Leaf Garrett played the head of the Socias, who oh, became yeah, like right. a uh, he became like a uh, a teen idol for a little while there, and I think he ended up killing himself or something. I think he, Leaf Garrett. I think had died. he was one of the one of the ones that spiraled out of control. Oh yeah, well he was the dr- drunk one that was taking out um, Macho at the uh, or trying to kill. No, I met in real life. 
Oh, in real life? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not familiar with The uh, Outsider, it's a period piece. It takes place in, what would you say, the 50s? Yeah. Yeah, so it was the 50s. It was a classic. I mean, it's pretty consistent with the next yeah, one, too. It's classic like, greasers versus, they called soch. them soches, which were just like sh- sort. I mean, it's basically if if Grease had violence. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more Instead violence of singing. and less singing. <laughs> No singing. <laughs> no singing. If they didn't sing and they just used knives instead. And it was kind of the lifestyle of what was going on. And these kids were young. I mean, C. Thomas Owl and Ralph Macchio were best friends. And they were, we kind of was from their perspective, yeah. most of the movie. 16 or and 17. And they were probably 16 or 17. And what happened is they had a group of friends. And they, uh, I think the parents had died because I think Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze was, was, sort was of raising holding the whole them. family And it was together. a lot of them there. I mean, I don't think... Uh, I don't think Steve, who was uh, Tom Cruise's character, lived there. They were like the working class, and then there was like the working class versus the yeah versus the, uh, the, the elite college college students kids. and everything. And so they got they 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 showed some rumbles yeah. early on, so you get the sense that they fought. And they they showed the the girls Diane Lane kind of had like a flirtatious yeah. thing going on with uh, with Pony Boy, but Pony Boy was a little young for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had some moments where the socias caught him talking to her because that was Leaf Garrett's girl, and he was not happy with it. And I think that's kind of what escalated the fights. Well, that uh, that the big scene that kind of turned yeah. everything at with the, the uh, with the well, the wishing well, or the well, it, it was, was a at water the fountain, fountain at the yeah. uh, at the playground. Yeah, and it was great because it was just uh, something was going on. I think uh, Patrick Swayze was giving C. Thomas Howell shit, so he left the house and he grabbed Macho and Ma- and he said they just hey. got caught in the wrong place at the yep, wrong time. That's exactly what happened. Whoa, that is a hawk. Hawks are coming for us. <laughs> uh, big hawks too. Squirrels are running. <laughs> so. They like you said, they got caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they were at that playground when they shouldn't be. And the socias showed up, and they were drunk as shit. I mean, it, I think they would have killed them. And they were outnumbered too, for sure. So they grabbed C. Thomas Howell, and they started drowning him in the in the mm-hmm. fountain. And Ralph Macchio, it, it was filmed beautifully because awesome. we didn't know what you happened. Saw from underwater. Yeah, they filmed underwater of C. Thomas Howell, and then all of a sudden the the water turned red, and you yep. don't know what happened. And then they did like a cut, and then they showed Leaf Garrett on the ground dead. Uh, and then everybody had scattered, and they, they came to, and they realized what happened, and they immediately had to run to Matt Dillon and say, Matt Dillon, what are we going to do? And they were like, I know a place. I'm going to bring you. It's going to be a farmhouse. Going on the you, lamb. You're going to go on the lamb. I'll get you some food. I'll get you some money. <laughs> dyed his hair. Just, yep, dyed his, bleached his hair, and they had that great stuff where he was, was he reading Gone with the Wind? I think he was reading yeah, Gone yeah. with the Wind. They were eating, like, and, uh, they were, they were eating bread and, like, peanut butter and everything, and uh, it didn't last as long as you expected it to. It was uh, a scene that, I mean, it still lasted, like, 10 or 15 minutes. But then they eventually had to leave. And uh, so Matt Dillon picked him up and said, things have died down. You can come back. And then on the way on the way home. Never be a good Samaritan. That's the that's the role. <laughs> I, that's the lesson I take I, from this sad movie. It's sad because on the way back to the city or where they were living in town, they just happened to come across a school that was on fire with kids inside. <laughs> and Ralph Macchio took off. Boom, like the karate kid busted in there. And I'll was, save the was, first was, two kids. but it, That's what it was. I mean, he, he saved like three or four kids. And uh, remember the guy from... Uh, the sheriff from Mississippi Burning was the guy from. Uh, oh yeah, he, he was yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, was he Ernest? He was in Ernest, wasn't he? The cook from Ernest. I think so. <laughs> and he was these guys. This kid's a hero. He stole these, and he said, "This kid's arrested or wanted for murder and everything." But yeah, he ended up going in there to save the kids, and the building fell on him, and he was just like ninety percent of his body. They burned. had him in the hospital. He was. He was like on his belly, like elevated with like mirrors, so he could see people that visited him and everything. And it wasn't good. You could tell that he was not living a happy life, and he wasn't going to live long. And it really had to bugged. do it for Johnny, man. He really bugged. 
saved Matt Dillon. Oh, it, it really it, more than anything it made Matt Dillon like crazy at the end. I learned a lesson from this movie early on when we watched it. It was the first time I'd ever heard of if you were to get shot, if you had a lot of adrenaline running through your body, <laughs> that you, you might know. not realize yeah. you were get shot. And I was like, I remember thinking that was a crazy. Yeah. Like, how would you not know? And then if you, you hear shot? you hear stories from people that yeah. are like that. They were like, "Yeah, we were part of a shooting, and I got out of there, and then realized, holy shit, I was shot." It's just an adrenaline thing. But it was a crazy scene where he went into the uh, the convenience store. And he put that gun right up against that guy's face, and that guy was also he played the cop in Rumblefish, who he was also the oh, yeah. uh, he, he was also played the a head Russian in, uh, in uh, Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Yep, he had that. He's got that face that you never recognize. Yeah. He looked like he had a lot of bad acne scars, mm. so he has that very d- distinguished face. The and finger he was man, good in that. like the finger man. Yep, I like the finger man. <laughs> Edward James almost. Uh, so it was a great movie, man. I watched it. We watched it a lot on Park Street, it seemed. It a seemed lot. like it was always on that they played it, so it was good. Uh, let's go to Rumblefish, man. Rumblefish was the one I hadn't seen in so long. I watched it back then because they played it. They would play. There were three movies that were somewhat similar that they played on HBO. It was The Outsiders, Rumblefish, and Tex. Do you remember Tex? Oh, yep. And they all starred Matt Dillon, yep. and they were all somewhat similar. Rumblefish. Is my review of Rumblefish. It was an entertaining movie to yeah. watch. The Deep. depth. It, it had a lot of depth to it. Like, you could tell watching it that you probably should watch it several times because yeah. there's a lot of hidden meanings in it. Like, the fish. It was way more <laughs> about the relationships. Yeah, it was with, weird. It was a weird bro- movie. Between the brother and the father. And, yeah. like, so you'd watch a scene and you were like, Motorcycle I boy. feel like I'm missing something. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, was, it was strange. So you're dealing with, uh, basically, Matt Dillon is a younger brother of a much more popular uh, brother played brilliantly by um, Mickey Rourke. Yep. And the, he was only referred to as Motorcycle Boy. And you, you, he came back into town, and you could tell he was the big man on campus or something. And Matt but Dillon just wasn't. And he had changed for sure. He didn't like that lifestyle. But you, you constantly got the impression that he had seen something, or, or had done or, or something done in something California. He was out in California it, for a while. They didn't explain. They didn't tell what nope. it was. He was just. You could tell he was going through a different life change that from when he had left. And Matt Dillon was just kind of a young punk. I remember one of the first scenes you get to see is uh, Matt Dillon walking down the street with Chris Penn next to him, yep. Nicholas Cage. And Vincent Spano. I remember I had told you I was like, I was like, you're gonna. Uh, I had never seen. Where'd a hump like you get 50 G's? <laughs> yeah. I stole it from you. Oh, get my gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vincent Spano, who I had, I've only seen in a few movies, and I totally forgot he was in Rumblefish. But when he when he opens his mouth for the first time, you're like, holy shit, that's the guy from Oscar yeah. with Stallone, <laughs> and brilliantly played by Vincent Spano. And they gave him like blonde hair and everything. Yeah. It was weird, man. And he was sort of the voice of reason. Yeah. Yeah, he was that. Because Matt Dillon kept romanticizing about the gangs used to be yeah. the way to go. Like it, it was something when we had gangs, mm-hmm. and uh, and Motorcycle Boy was like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I was just bored of it. Diane Lane, Diane Lane, also in this movie, uh, brilliantly. Nick Cage, uh, Nicholas Cage, really young Nicholas Cage too. Might have been the first thing that. And it, it, was what I was really thing. impressed about Matt Dillon in this movie is he got hit on the head, like. Th- three quarters of the way through and then his whole demeanor changed after interesting yeah like he was kind of out of it I like totally less forgot about space that. he was based out that scene where it happened when he left his body yeah they showed yeah, yeah, him yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they showed he him on like, the ground and they showed yep. him levitating 
like his body is leaving. And but he went like, to the future yeah. because these people were toasting him yeah. and he, that he they, died, and then Diane Lane was crying. Yeah. And, and then he eventually went back into his body, and he woke up, and he, yeah. was, he was fine. But it was like it was very artsy done, uh, more artsy than any of Francis Ford Coppola's movies up till that time. And like I said, it was a lot of analogies and metaphors for different things, and they're talking about the uh, the fighting fish, at, which they called the rumble fish. That's where it would, uh, the mm-hmm. title came from. And I, it was... Uh, great that Mickey Rourke for some reason was just obsessed with the idea of being uh, I guess caged or being like uh, boxed in boxed in and he was obsessed with breaking into the the pet store to release the uh, the fish which I mean first of all I said you're going to Cause like an ecological you disaster. <laughs> you could have just bought him. I said, "You're him. the same fuckers that release fucking crocodiles into yeah. the Everglades and cause so many or goddamn problems, man. Don't put fighting pythons fish. in the Everglades. Yeah, don't put uh, fucking fighting fish into the lakes and shit. That's what we need. I said, "That's a bad Super idea." Super aggressive man. fish. <laughs> it's funny that that's what I get out of it. I'm like, "Don't put those in there. You're gonna cause some ecological damage." Uh, and it's funny that that guy shot him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. This spoiler, but spoiler, but yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't have to. No. He certainly didn't have to. It was like I said, it, Rumblefish was a great movie, but it takes like but two he didn't or three like viewings. Him. He he didn't like him from a while ago. Yeah, there's a he, lot of people that this is their favorite movie though. I've really? seen, I've met a lot of people who are like Rumblefish is I'll the have bomb, to see man. See it a few more times to really get the de- depth I, of it. I got that when I watched it because when I rewatched it, I can understand why I only watched it once when I was a kid. It was black and white. We didn't even mention that. It was in black and white. I had thought it was before The Outsiders because I was like, yeah. man, he used Matt Dillon again, sort of the same yep. style, but. Uh, they came out the same year. It's weird he hasn't known Matt uh, Dillon. You know who he would have been great as? Uh, not to knock. He wasn't my. It wasn't my favorite role that Keanu did, but Keanu played Jonathan Stark in the uh, Dracula movie. Matt Dillon would have been great in that role. I saw. You know? I saw a list. You would have liked this list. It was m- movies that people have walked out of, mm. and it, it was like. Lost I know Frontiers, what movies I <laughs> uh, Beat the Feebles is on there. Oh Jesus! Um, they played that in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I'm wondering. Yeah, I wonder. But there was the there was the one where Matt Dillon was a serial killer. Oh God, have you seen it yet? I have. Oh, it's a Lars von Trier. That's why. I think if you, I think if you have that list, there's five Lars von Trier. He's an Antichrist guy, right? Yeah, he's Antichrist, and he does Breaking the Waves, and he does uh, Dancer in the Dark, Melancholia. I love him, but he uh, Nymphomaniac Part One and Two, but. I do. I cannot recommend them to anyone. You don't recommend Large Frontier to anybody unless they come out and say, "Hey, most I, of the, I like most Large of Frontier. the stuff was like horror movies that just went way too far with yeah. rape scenarios and or animal well, the one with Matt Dillon, he was like uh, killing children and like uh, taxidermying them and talking to them, and it was weird. And there was an element. I don't. I, don't think I, I can watch that. There's a spoiler honest, though. There's yeah. a there's a very interesting spoiler to it that I, I won't reveal on here. I could tell you after the uh, after we get off uh, the mic that it kind of makes it interesting once you realize what was going on. It was spoiled for me, and it makes me want to see it. Uh, and it was. How do you know? I definitely how do you know? It. You I heard a podcast where they kind of wrote oh, they spoiled it. it. Uh, they spoiled it, so I won't spoil it on this podcast. Uh, but don't, don't perpetuate. It's a hard one to find. I think you can. You might be able to rent it on iTunes, but I think I've, they put you on a list if you Google. I've owned if you only Google to buy a lot. Of I would, I'm interested thing. in watching. See, that's my thing, though. I, I like Lars von Trier. He's weird. He, Any Christ is the hardest one to watch out of all of them, w- without a doubt. Mm-hmm. If you can get past the first 
yeah. three minutes. It's big. Yeah. And then that movie goes fucked up, dude. I mean, yeah. it is fucked up. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the oh, ending of that I movie. <laughs> I mean, when she's like, oh, God, I can't even talk about the scenes from it. It's so nasty. Um, but let's go to an, a, a lot more uh, exciting and more kind of uh, human family, centip- fam- human family centip- movie. Human Centipede was human on centipede, that centipede, yeah. Part two was on that list. That was on there, yeah. That's where it just gets crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't even watch part one. Yeah. I'm not a big body horror film Stuff unless it's like the '80s, like uh, or there's some comedy in it. I could get it when there's like what's the what, what's the That's reanimator? Reanimator is kind of body horror. Sort it's of. a little bit, but that guy who does that did Society, and that's like the king of the body horror ones. Um, but they had Hereditary on there too. People really? walked out of the theater during. People he, have a hard time. They with talked that a lot about Sundance. With or, uh, people walked out at Sundance. One of them, yep. the. The judges banned it from getting any awards, even though it might have won some. I love that movie, too. It's a hard movie for some people to watch, though, for sure. I love that director. And uh, Ozzy Aster, I think. not. No, that's that uh, Brad Pitt movie. But it's, his name sounds like that. Uh, but same with Midsommar. Some people have some serious problems with Midsommar. And Midsommar's pretty mild, but it's it, it affects people different ways when you watch Mel- uh, Midsommar. It was really trippy it was trippy it was slow but i mean uh, i had a hard time with that ritual scene that i mentioned earlier and that was the hardest one. it's a lot of cult and ritualistic stuff but a lot of that stuff was done off camera which i thought made it a little bit more palatable for people uh or it and for some people it it gave them not what they wanted i think justin that was justin's problem with it is that all that stuff was done off camera and he'd rather have seen it on camera, the killings and stuff like that. But I, I loved it. I, that was a movie that I saw. There's only a few movies I can kind of think of that I saw all by myself in the theater. I'm not talking like I didn't go with anyone. Like I was the person in the theater. It oh, just me. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it was only been like one or two movies. I've ever seen that one. You probably get that right now. Maybe. For the theaters that are open. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, might was, end up being the, the only person major in the social theater. distance. That's what you should pay. $50 for me and my family just to go to the movie theater by ourselves. <laughs> That's the way to do it. But uh, yeah, I just I got lucky. I went on like a Wednesday afternoon and there was no one there. And I was like, I was, uh, I normally, I, I really freak out when people take their phones out and shit like that in the movies. But when there's no one else in the theater, I was like Googling actors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was great. I loved it. I wish there was more movies like that. But. All right, this next movie. This was a movie that I watched on. We watched on demand on in up in Park Street. And I remember renting it. The that demand was so tricky, man, because they played those trailers over and over and over again. I was like, I gotta see these movies, man, and they just got me. They hooked you. Then mom would mom would get the. They were uh, cheap. Either. Mom would get the bill, and it was like five bucks or something like were that. Were they only five bucks? I thought five they bucks were like back twelve. Then was, and... Five bucks back then was crazy though, because we were renting movies for a dollar at the video store. Yeah. So five dollars was pretty pricey. It might have been six or seven, but. Um, we rented a lot. I mean, mainly because Dad liked uh, the mortgage those on Park too. Street. It was three twenty-five. Ooh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's not that now. Uh, uh, it's it's probably two thousand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but the movie, one of those movies that I rented on uh, demand that I I loved a lot that a lot of people hadn't seen was Tucker, the Man in His Dream. Punching the mic. Don't be punching mics. Uh, it had a it had a, and it's funny that that Howard Hughes got sort of a. Not in this movie because it reminded me, it it was like yeah, very it was very much like Spruce Goose. Type yeah, deal. and it had like an element of gung ho, not not the <laughs> comedy, yeah, not the comedy element, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. it had that factory, yeah. like everything has to go right. It, and this is a huge like. So why don't you tell us a little bit about someone who's not familiar with it's Tucker? It's a true story. Yep, and sure. it's a it's a guy that you know he was a dreamer. Yep, and like said. 
you know, screw could, GM, screw, screw Ford. GM, screw Ford. I can make, make I can make better cars that are more that luxurious and better looking than and I had better safety features than someone owns one. I think Francis Ford Coppola has probably. One. I think there's only like 25 of them in existence. Here's what it said at the end of the movie yesterday. It yeah. said 50 of the 50 that were made, 40 are still on the road. Wow. Yeah, and I know a couple celebrities own 40 them. are still on were the road. Were they called Tuckers? Yeah. Did they call them Tuckers? Yeah. Uh, and uh, all-star cast, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Really great Jeff Bridges role. It was one of the first ones where he was very vocal and loud mm-hmm. and talkative, and he was yeah. a salesman. I mean, he was just, he, he played that role yeah. really well. You had it, the avi- it had an aviator, the feel of the yep. movie Aviator. I feel uh, like that, but there was also like the, there was a... Uh, there was a courtroom element to yep, it. Yep, very courtroom. Uh, all-star cast. Who else we got? We got Lloyd Bridgers, who played the senator in the movie. But on his team, oh, uh, Christian Slater was very son. young. He was, that was played his son. son. He was probably the guy that got him the money was the the guy that, in the horror movie that killed people for their hats. Oh, Martin Landau. That's weird that that's where you went, but okay. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. No one else would. I don't know what that movie is, but I just remember we from Terror in the Isles. Oh, before, not to get off on this, but they're releasing Terror in the Isles as a Scream Factory Blu-ray on its own before nice. it was just on, uh, it was just part as, of uh, the, Halloween 2. Yeah. Halloween 2 special features. You got to watch it. Uh, and I tell people this all the time, man. Terror in the Isles is an hour and a half compilation of the best horror movies ever up until up like point. up until like 1984, 1985, and it's always gotten a shitty kind of release. And now that they're releasing and Nancy, it on Blu-ray, was it Nancy Allen? Nancy Allen and, and Donald, uh, Donald Pleasant host it, and they just show clips from American Whale from London. Yeah, and, Marathon and they kind of went through and, like, okay, this is all yeah. the devil. This is all supernatural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all it was serial great. killers. It was, I, it was awesome. I, I watched it. it. I watch it every uh, Halloween. It's a perfect Halloween kind of movie to watch. Uh, but uh, some of his crew members, like Elias Codius, was one of the uh, one of his mechanics. Also, Mako, yep. uh, that famous uh, Japanese actor that only yep. goes by Mako. He was really great in it. Uh, Joan Allen played his wife. I think Joan Allen from so, uh, yeah. from uh, the Bourne movies. Mm-hmm. Yep, she was great. So it was just someone, like you said, someone who had a dream and was trying to accomplish something. But remember, I love the scene where he's trying to introduce it for the first time yeah. and it's, it's basically he's just like shining that turd yeah because it was like falling apart it doesn't which, have to work which is reminded me a was lot was there even an engine in the car i don't know but it reminded me a lot of like uh um did you see steve jobs yeah they were oh yeah, yeah, movie, yeah, yeah when they were trying to get the and they couldn't get the computer to yeah. to say hello, to say hello. It's such a big thing for him. Yeah, man. and he's like, <laughs> that that's just fake it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you, you really pulled for this guy through the whole movie. I mean, he was the little guy, you know. And, and they were really screwed him over. And they were screwing him over. That, that was where it got good because they were just ignoring him. They were like, who the hell is this little guy? We don't give a shit what he's doing. He's not going to beat Ford. And everyone is like, man, people are talking about this car. We're going to have to do something and shut him down or he's going to be in uh, a major kind he of. should have sold his designed to yeah he really should have and but then just live the life fantastic the, the courtroom <laughs> scene at the end was really cool and they yeah. did like that little gimmicky thing where they had to look out the windows and see the car well they and wouldn't else. and the judge wouldn't let him look out the window yeah who He's was like, the judge was like, the uh wasn't it i the, don't recognize him uh, was i don't know who played him who was the uh you know that big fat white guy that was in uh he wasn't in the ledger you know from untouchables oh yeah, yeah he yeah, was yeah, in this yeah. movie right yeah. wasn't he one of I the games so. guys in this yeah <laughs> so i told him he was in the ledger that was a great scene for that movie uh, I love Tucker. It's a hard movie to find, but if you can find Tucker, uh, I own it on DVD. I, I, you, maybe you'll find it's right it a little there. easy. It's right here. <laughs> All right. It's two Let, feet from you. <laughs> let's, let's get to the movie that most people will talk about. Me and Justin, we're not talking about Beverly Hills Cop 3, but we are going to talk about Godfather 3. I liked it a lot more than most people liked it. I liked it 
Was oh. it was it as good as the first two? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Was it even it, close? No. Absolutely not. It was too far from those yeah, other ones. But it was still time. Good. It's but still good. I man. liked if it. You man, I really it. liked it. And everybody said that Sophia Coppola ruined it. I don't think she ruined it. She's, she's just not a great actor. She's not a great actor, but she she's a great did, director. She did so. what she needed to do to. Yeah. And that was that Francis's movie. problem, and I think he realized it, and he put her in a bad spot because the the press and the uh, critics went after her yeah. like crazy, man. And I rewatched the trailer recently. Uh, like, uh, they cut her like, out of the trailer. She, one little tiny scene. And she's in this movie a lot. She's a focal they, point they at one point. see one scene where she's dancing in the background. And you're like, ah. that's all they're going to show for uh, of Sofia Coppola. It's so amazing. Uh, great and, uh, cast. Andy, Andy Garcia. Garcia. Joe Montagna. Uh, Andy Garcia. And he played the wild man. And this is funny. He, like, he was almost having an affair with his cousin. Bridget Fonda. No. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Sofia Coppola. It was she. He was illegitimate though, because yeah, yeah. No, I don't half brother. It was like half cousin because it was Sonny's. It was still enough of a weird. If you remember the if you remember the first Godfather during the wedding scene, Sonny goes off and has sex with this ugly, ugly chick during the wedding, and and then everyone laughs about it and everything. Well, that's where Andy Garcia came yeah. from. That's where their idea was in the yeah, script, yeah. at least, that she was the offspring, uh, or uh, no, uh, Andy Garcia was the offspring of that. You know what of, he's uh, doing right thing. now? Who's the, this? Our Andy Garcia. Ours? <laughs> Did you say our Andy Garcia? Our Andy Garcia. Uh, we can all share him. That's fine. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> so I watch a lot of golf. I watch a lot of replays. YouTube has like almost every final round of every mm. tournament ever played. But the U.S., uh, GA U.S. Guys Golf Association, which puts on the British Open, uh, the PGA. I mean, the I think uh, the U.S. Open, and then they have these films. Like when Tiger won one, they had like they did a little fifty-minute film about that week, mm-hmm. about how it was ups and downs. And Andy Garcia narrates a bunch of those. Oh, interesting stuff. It's like wow, I think I him. Uh, what I loved about him in uh, Godfather Three is I'm not sure I can name another movie where he, he plays a wild man. He always usually plays the restrained yeah. guy that's very kind of... Uh, it's better than you, yeah, even, even Irish that. pig. Yeah, even that. I mean, he was uh, in, in Untouchables. Like he was pretty normal. <laughs> uh, compared to this, I mean, he the, one of the first things we saw him, he bit Joe Montaigne's ear off, like Mike Tyson style. Just yeah. reached over and just bit his fucking ear off. And people are like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And that's kind of what, what spearheaded the whole thing is... Michael wanted to go legit. He got rid of all his uh, his which, dealings in Vegas and everything. Which, if you have the money, you can make more money oh. being the Jeff Bezos of the world than you can be in the the underground. Mob it's true, boss. but I mean, he didn't realize how many people were going to be coming for him and the family, and how much backstabbing there was going to be because basically. He wanted that life, yeah. but Talia Shire well, didn't want it. How much money is enough? That's when I, yeah. what you question when you think. How many mansions and speedboats and, and, I mean, it's power. It's true. It, I mean, as strong as Talia Shire was in the movie, it, I mean, we could, could have seen she's she's been kind of a fuck-up in, in like, mm-hmm. a Fredo-type of way since the first one. I mean, certainly in number two, where she was just married that loser and she was wanting money and everything. So If I make $10 million, you're not going to hear from me. You won't see me again. I'm gone. Cash see ya. Out. See ya. Think, uh, think tropical uh, island with lots uh, of golf and plenty of sunshine. Yeah. That's about it. So, so a lot of this was Michael just getting angry at Talia Shire and Andy Garcia from going behind his back and doing stuff that he doesn't want. And making these double deals, and uh, Do they, does she find out about some of the stuff that it, like 
did she find out that he had Fredo killed in this one? Oh, I'm pretty sure. I think I think they mention it because I know or Diane had Keaton, her husband. Diane Keaton knew about it because Diane Keaton confronted him yeah. about it. And remember, they had a, her son was an opera singer. Mm-hmm. There, um, uh, well, they were going to see him with the, in the last scene. Yep. remember? Oh man, that that. That. See, that's where I always go to with Godfather 3. I love the stuff with Eli Wallach. Yeah. Uh, when Tally Shire had to, like, uh, poison the cannolis and everything. But th- very similar to number one, they had that cleaning house scene. And the scene with the glasses, where they wouldn't let the guy in to talk to the one main oh, guy yeah, yeah. Uh, with any weapons. Yep. But he took it. He went to whisper something to him, and he took his glasses off and stabbed him in the throat with his glasses. And that's a suicide mission. Yep. They threw that mm-hmm. cardinal off that uh, uh, off that huge balcony. That was that great scene. They did that shot to the ground of the of his ha- habit like falling. Yep. It, it was. Habit, but. Like I said, it w- it wasn't it didn't live up. It could never have in any way probably have lived up to it if they had gotten a lot of the people I'm back. Surprised it- like they couldn't get Clemenza back, they couldn't get Abe Vigoda back, and I'm pretty sure they were still alive. But they just they, they wanted old. too much money Man, to come old. back. They and uh, had to be ancient at that point. Yeah, and uh, even uh, Tom Hayden, uh, Robert Duvall didn't want to come back. That's why they got George Hamilton to step in and be the consigliere. I like me some George Hamilton. I, I thought he was good in it. He was I, great. I, I thought he was decent in it. I mean, George Hamilton sometimes can be a little goofy, but, you know, he just, you put him in that role. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's the stuff with Sophia that definitely, definitely the stuff that kind of slowed the movie down, like that weird scene, like you said, there's this weird incestual scene of them making in pasta the together yeah. when they're making pasta. They're like uh, they're making like together, together or something, and, and like, you're like, "What's going on here?" Really, about to get it. These cousins <laughs> are about to get it. On. <laughs> I mean, that is Sonny's son, so I mean, there is some blood running through there. So it was a little weird. Maybe it's an Italian thing. I don't know. <laughs> they, they would find. <laughs> Sorry it. to I you, did, Italians. I know. <laughs> hey, um, we're part Italian. But I remember leaving it. I saw. I think I saw it in the theater at least twice, if not three times. Uh, so not until later on, I was surprised where people. I remember shit on you it more. not liking it, obviously as much. Yeah, and then warming up to it a little more. Yeah, I'll still watch it every once in a while. There are people that ignore that it even exists. They just watch one and two, and that's it. I say, get there's some good scenes in that movie. Like, I mean, that's th- like, like Crystal Skull. No, not like Crystal Skull. <laughs> name one. Name one good scene in that movie. The monkeys. Um, no. <laughs> No, see, you can't. We'll be sitting here forever um, in silence. <laughs> I still, I, I, I use that as a barometer of if people like, just because you put a bunch of good actors in a movie, yep. that opening scene with all those big heavyweights yep. is one of the worst scenes ever filmed. Yep. Ever. And it was also one of the things that uh, I felt bad for Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford was he not was, the problem with that no. movie. No. He, he was, it was okay. like Indy. It, yeah. he, he was like I Indy. I had no problem with him. I had no problem with him. It, it was everything else, and it was the script, and it was the goofy shit, and it was fucking like the, the grays and all that. And then Shia LaBeouf has thankfully become like this insanely talented character. I if, think, it, because if he hadn't. That should have ruined If he hadn't have failed. He might not have become who he Maybe. is now. Yeah, because he went through a lot of like personal shit. He might have just been an entitled douchebag. Yeah, for the I mean, rest it was a lot. Of, if he was, knocked it out of the park. I remember when he was walking around New York City with a bag over his head saying, "I'm not famous," and or he put himself in that box, and people, yeah, would, people were allowed come to come by and, and just insult him. him and yell at him, and it was like, "What the fuck is going on with Shia?" Uh, but once he once he did ne- uh, *Nymphomaniac* one and two. Have you seen that? Have I you have seen not. that? It's 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 crazy. It's difficult. It's a large frontier. So you're, you're gonna see <laughs> a you're gonna see a lot of like uncomfortable nudity, uncomfortable sexual scenes, and some really weird. I mean, it's called violence. *Nymphomaniac*. So yeah. I can only imagine. Well, the the first half was about how the it was like the girl when she was younger like teens and preteens oh, yeah. and and the family and the stuff she was exposed to that got her that way yeah and then later it was the girl from Annie uh 
Antichrist, that oh. Charlotte Gaines girl. It's like and it's like that movie Happiness. I, why would I want to watch it? Yeah, it's it, like it's weird that I know that stuff happens, and I Happiness know Happiness was a comedy though, you know, and people forget that it was a satirical comedy. But I never looked at it that way when I was watching it. I never found any of it funny. And yeah, it, but it's labeled as a comedy. You'll find it in the comedy genre. So I'm very surprised that that's child molestation kind of comedy. Does. Yeah. It's I good, mean, that's a good genre. To <laughs> it's a small, it's, it's a, a very small niche. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep, 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 deep underground. underground. You need to go to that beaded room to get that one. <laughs> you gotta have a handshake and a secret <laughs> password. Uh, uh, next one, man. I loved it. I was super excited when this movie came out because I was I was reading Fangoria another, magazine. Another huge cast. Oh shit, yeah. I was reading Fangoria magazine like hardcore every month when this movie came out, and it was on the cover for like three months. It probably won best. I bet it out. won best makeup. Oh, I would be I would be surprised if it didn't. So this was 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it had been a while since we had a Dracula movie, man, and specifically the Dracula story. Yeah, I mean that, this that was dealt with that. I mean it's the same story that uh, the Bella. Some, I wish someone won. would do Vlad the Impaler. Yep, and just yeah. him as the story is without the sucking of the blood and there's yeah, I. Gary Oldman, this was great that we had left this off the Gary Oldman pod because now we get to talk about it. He played like three or four different incarnations yeah. of Dracula. I mean, he played the wolf. He played the, 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 young, the young one. He played the old man, and then he was like, uh, I mean, he was a bat, I guess, was, was technically the fourth <laughs> one. All-star cast, though. Why don't you, let's name some of these cast Keanu. members. I'm going to look at our... I always got to look at my running thing. Make you sure don't have everything's to tell recorded. the audience, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. <laughs> <laughs> we have recorded. Sometimes we fuck shut up. And <laughs> Sometimes we we'll <laughs> talk for an hour and realize we're not recording. So every once in a while, especially when we're outside. Pods. When I'm outside, I cannot see you can't it see at it. all. It's like it's like a mirror right here. I can see my head. <laughs> so I got to check every once in a while. But Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, okay, so we got Gary Oldman. We got uh, uh, Winona, Winona Ryder, Ryder, who kind of got shit for her accent, and I never really had a problem. I, had, I didn't think I it didn't was mind. a big deal. I had a crush on that redhead uh, in the there. The Lucy girl. Uh, you should see her now. She looks great, but she doesn't have the red hair. It's like short, dark hair. You would you would not even recognize who it was. I looked her up. Uh, and she hadn't done many things. Uh, Keanu, not my favorite Keanu role, because I've said before, if I can easily pick ten other actors that could step into that yeah. role, then I don't much care for you in that movie. And that was the thing with him. Like I said, I could totally see Matt Dillon in that role. Mm-hmm. Matt Dillon would have been rocking it. But if you're familiar with the story, he plays a real estate guy that has to go to another country and deal with uh, Dracula, who's going to buy real estate in the States. And he just wants to finalize or in it London. and everything. Uh, yeah. And then he, so he goes there, and once he gets there, he realizes, oh, shit, this guy is Dracula. And he captures Jonathan Stark, Keanu Reeves' character, uh, keeps him with the female vampires, which is not the worst thing that could have yeah, happened to him. Yeah, it didn't sound like it. it was like, Kelly had to escape and everything. But gotta, can I live forever? <laughs> yeah. We also have, uh, who, who else? Uh, had like uh, remember the Lucy had like three famous suitors. Yeah. That uh, so you have Carrie Alway was yep. one of them. Uh, Richard E. Grant. Yep. Uh, the guy from Rocketeer yep. was the guy with the big Bowie knife. Yep. And I think that was it of the suitors of, uh, of the three. Then you have uh, what's his name playing uh, Van, Van Helsing, Helsing uh, the great uh, Anthony Hopkins. I was gonna say really great man. We cut yeah. those bitches heads off and like just throw them over the fucking cliff. I loved it. So many great scenes. Very filmed very strangely. Remember well, it's he the, gl- sp- the sped up. He sped sh- uh, shit Gary up. Oldman when he was when he was the younger version. Yeah. He he was like gliding. Yeah. 
Yep, he was gliding. They must he have did. had him on a cart or they dolly or something. They would rewind shit. They would fast forward shit. When he was the uh, the wolf, remember that stuff with that when he was the wolf outside their house yeah. and it was. Remember well, the he, uh, the other cool stuff is that when he was that younger version of himself, his shadow would be doing something different yeah. than he was. Yeah. I always thought that was pretty yeah. Cool. An old man, he did that as the old man too. I love the old man when Jonathan uh, Stark is like shaving and then the old man oh, gra- grabs it, himself. just licks the uh, just licks the, yeah, uh, don't the look razor blade. Like uh, I love the the backstory where you get to see that was the only part you actually got to see him play Vlad, Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, and they or showed his wife, where his wife or his girlfriend thought he was dead in battle, so she killed herself, and that that's kind of what his obsession started with Winona Ryder because yeah. he ends up and, and she looks her. just like her, it looks just like her. So he was like obsessed with her, and that's kind of where that movie whole movie had kind of taken place. And Van Helsing had to come in and. Get shit right. Get shit man. done. I love when he went to kill Lucy, man. That scene where they went into the and she crypt. Was like, <sighs> yep. And she had that completely white. She had just died, and he knew that she wasn't quite dead. So he went down there with all three of those suitors and uh, kind of wrapped them up in that whole scene, man. I also love uh, Tom Waits as Renfield. Remember he, he? It's funny because Tom Waits was in, uh, we didn't talk about him, but he was in Rumblefish. That's he was right. The, he, he was the bartender. He was the bartender, man. Tom Waits does that. He just like slips into a movie in a small role that you don't even realize he's there. <laughs> I could close my eyes and hear him coming so from great. a mile away. He's got that raspy voice. <laughs> it's like, what did Pat Oswalt said? It's like he's gargling hot asphalt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ever seen Down by Law with him? Him and, uh, what's that guy from... Uh, Life is beautiful. You know, the Italian, oh, the Italian guy. guy. Uh, it's him and Fun- Tom Waits Fun- and another Fun- guy. Uh, I think the other guy is the uh, the guy from The Killing. You remember the guy that went to the parking lot that just sat there with the uh, with the rifle? He oh, had yeah, a weird yeah. thing and he talked yeah, between yeah. his teeth. I think it was those three guys and they were all in prison together and they all escaped. And it was just those three guys. It was a, hmm. it was a Jim Jarmusch movie. Uh, so it was weird and everything. But Tom Waits is in a lot of his movies. But he played brilliantly. He played Renfeld. He just sat there eating bugs and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Bram Stoker's Dracula. I don't get to see it as much. Uh, I maybe I'll have to watch it this Christmas. I love the scene where they're transporting um, Dracula's uh, casket. casket on the like uh, through the trails uh, through, through, through the, the trails the and it was like uh, horse drawn carriages and yeah. everything and it was sped up and they're chasing him trying to get to it and you could see him inside the casket going nuts and then he ends up busting out at the end uh, oh, it was exciting man not what you expect to, with Francis Ford Coppola I mean it's his first real horror movie it might be his first and only horror movie. Was there another Francis Ford Coppola horror movie? Maybe one that I didn't put on here? I don't think so. Don't think he so. nailed it. He needs to come back and do it, man. Really good, though. And one of my favorites. We're going to end with one of our favorites here. Both me and Dave love this movie. Uh, written by the incredible John Grisham. I had read the book before I saw the movie, and this is 1997's The Rainmaker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, it, it's sort of like the conversation where there's a lot of slow technical Yep. But a lot of good courtroom on. stuff, man. And Great. it was very lighthearted, too, you know? For such, well, a, Danny for DeVito such a deep... Kinda. Uh, because there is a deep subject to it. It, it kind of has these weird shifts where it's really likable and funny with yeah. Danny DeVito and Mickey Rourke are on screen. And, and uh, then some really horrible stuff. Who was stuff. the kid? The kid dying? The yeah. dying kid? I'm not sure. I know his mom was he, Mary Kay He Place. almost looks like Shia LaBeouf a little bit. but He did. Or, or like, uh, what was the guy from Dying Young? He also played Spider-Man's dad in the Tobey Maguire ones. I can't oh, remember his name. Uh, Campbell Scott. I think he looked a little like Campbell Scott. Uh, but it was basically the studio, what was it, Rudy Baylor? Rudy Baylor is the Matt Damon character. And yep. he's just getting out of uh, law school. Law school. Uh, and he's just trying to get a job. And he ends up running <laughs> cut, into. Cut, cut, cut. <laughs> That's my favorite line. <laughs> what is it? Cut, cut, cut. 
cut. Oh, who said that? The oh, old yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah, the old lady. She just kept That's walking right. around. She wanted to I redo totally, the will to cut out her kids. Yeah, I totally forgot. So he, uh-huh. he comes to this town and he ends up living with uh, someone that needs a border, I guess, and do lawn work and well, stuff. Well, he, he went to go redo her will yep. and he said, Who's, is anybody renting that apartment yeah. back there? And she's like, he's like, I don't have much money. He's like, she's like, I'll let you have it. For if you do some chores around yeah. the yard, wasn't this not Memphis or Tennessee, yeah, or Louisiana, it, it something like that? Louisiana or Memphis? It had a real southern feel. Most it, most aggression. Danny DeVito, um, and uh, the guy from Rumblefish. What's yeah, his name? Uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. He was awesome. He, was awesome, he played Bruiser. that Bruiser. He played that scumbag oh, yeah. lawyer. You'd, he played the Saul Goodman yeah. of this movie. He was like the guy that was just <laughs> you knew he was doing shady shit. I love the discussion with. Uh, uh, because basically, Dane DeVito and they were ambulance chasers. I mean, they literally they went to the hospitals. They, they went to the hospitals and they had the people. one guy, Tracy it's Walters. Funny. They went into Tracy Walters' room and what he the had the guy from up. Bob. Yeah, the Tracy guy, Walters. He was also in Rumblefish. Yep. He was the one that, yep. he had that a uh, small scene that beat up Matt Dillon. That's right in the alley. Yeah, yep. I love Tracy Walters, man. He he's also that guy that comes in that you you recognize immediately as like you said as Bob from uh, Batman. Yeah, Gun Bob or Bob Gun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I love the discussion with Danny DeVito when he meets him. And he, he's like, yeah, most lawyers are worried about ethics and this and that. He says, what's wrong with ethics? Eh, nothing, really. But it's going to get in the way of the work. <laughs> so, yeah, they were ambulance chasers well, and everything. The, and he just happened but, to get, like, this one big case. Yeah, it was they were – they had – the chemical company had knowingly poisoned this the water or something in the area and had given – And the kid got it. Kid, kid Oh, no, no, no. They he had cancer in the, they in the great – Great, great benefits. Great benefits. That's right. Denied. I'm thinking of. I was thinking of the uh, the other movie with George Clooney. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But anyways, so they denied him, and that was that great scene where they showed it in court where he was how many cases were yeah. uh, were shown and how many cases were actually paid off, and it was like it was like ten thousand oh, cases were denied were uh, were, were well, filed that, and like they had that nine thousand. I can't remember her name. She did a great job. Claire Danes. No, was no. it no? Oh, I almost want to say she was in Saturday Night Live. Um, but oh, she, Virginia Madsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virginia Madsen. She was. Uh, she was the one that. She's like, well, standard procedure is to deny every claim, yeah. and then wait, see if they, and then members like they sent her. They finally sent the last notice, and they're yeah. like, you. We've denied your claim seven times. You must be stupid, stupid, stupid. Oh, yeah, man. Oh. And, like, when they read that in the courtroom, yeah. they're like, oh, they're screwed. But the, the attorney on the other side was John Voigt. Yeah. He was great. He was great, and it's the damn shame oh, he's a fucking judge now. Yeah, great Danny Glover, Danny man. Glover, man. He was awesome. I don't know why they thought of him then. He was so <laughs> He was so then, good. Man. I watched... Well, remember, like, the first judge was uh, the guy from... Dean uh, Stockwell. The guy yep. from... Once again, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know why this thing, the thing never worked. Quantum, you, quantum Leap. Yeah, yeah he why don't you get Al. that handheld handset <laughs> fixed? Like, what, we got to watch uh, three seasons of that stupid yeah, thing? And the way man. you fix it, you just pound it on a little bit. Yep. But remember, he you was siding. Come he back was, here when you got a license. <laughs> he sided, He was siding with John Voight's company. Yep. Remember, they were kind of doing like a trick to him. He, yep. he like left him alone, to, and then he came back in, and he's like, oh, did he offer you a settlement? Yeah, he offered us a million dollars. must happen, man. You should it's take. Insane. You should probably take that. 
one of the greatest scenes is where because they they're dealing with this freshman lawyer who's with a company that d- they don't respect, and they're doing depositions and everything. And I, I love when he calls him out. He's like, "Do you remember when you first sold out?" And he's like, "Man, you better tread carefully with us." And yeah. he has got his whole team there, and it's just Matt Damon and Danny. Uh, but the most Vito. satisfying part is when so the. That Dean Stockwell, Lord, he died. The yep. judge died. Yep, yep. And they signed it to a new judge, and it was Danny Glover. He wasn't going to help them at all. No, yeah. and you came in in that first meeting. Yep. He's like, motion denied. Like, yep. he denied the John Voight's motion right Everything away. Everything he said, he would deny, yeah. deny it. And it was really great. We were watching, uh, my wife had Give Me a Break on the other day, and uh, I was, I was uh, half pay attention, and I heard Danny Glover's voice. Oh, yeah. And Danny Glover played... Uh, uh, Nell Carter's boyfriend really? in the episode, and I was like, "Oh nice. my god, it's Danny Glover!" Uh, and yeah, he was he was incredible in that. You know who else was good in it? Was the head of the company, Roy Schneider. Oh, Roy Schneider, the great Roy Schneider, might have been the last movie I had ever seen him do, or maybe he only the last did that movie one did. last scene, right? He did the he was, one last scene at the end, and it was the, really great. Well, yeah, uh, and he just had to play an asshole, which you didn't get to see him play much mm-hmm. either. And he just came in and he nailed it. He had his gray hair. You're not used to seeing him play that kind of old character. I love the, uh, the old father, uh, the oh, Mary Kay places, the, uh, sat in the truck and just drank. Yep. And then when he was in the, uh, he was in the court. Remember he had the picture of his son mm-hmm. and he was showing like the, uh, the prosecutors, uh, or was it the defense? No, the defense team. Cause they, they went to get a dep- They wanted to get a deposition from the kid cause yeah. he was dying. Yeah. Like, they did it outside in his days. house. It was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, they they got it in, and he and died a lot the of next the times day. They, they played it on video at the courtroom and mm-hmm. everything. I mean, you can't go wrong with a courtroom movie when it was written by John Grisham. Yeah, I mean, he he used to be a lawyer, so he knows the ins and outs. He's and writing he a smart smart script. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite things and I've mentioned on past pods before. If if you have Rainmaker on DVD, go to the special features and watch the making of it. They have a really good segment where they show Francis Ford Coppola doing acting games with the cast. That Certain games that they play to keep all the actors fresh on the set when like setups are getting... riffing off of each other. Uh, riffing off each other, but they have a thing where they're, where they're passing an invisible medicine ball oh. to each other. So it, it's weird. You're watching John Voight, Danny Glover, uh, Matt Damon, and Danny I imagine Beale. people oh. like Christian Bale or... or, or uh, or character act. Maybe like, they might love people it. People that get into the characters. Yeah. It, I mean, it's old theater games, really, is what it is. And so they're standing in a semicircle, like pretending to throw this heavy ball to each other, and then they grab it and they, they pretend to throw it to somebody else. I could do that, but I'd feel like a jackass. Yeah, while I was it's doing weird. It. <laughs> it was weird watching, but I was fascinated with. Uh, with it because it's a it's just a different style of filmmaking and a different style of acting that you're not quite used to seeing uh, in, in movies or at least in that uh, behind the scenes type element and everything. Yeah, we didn't even mention that they had a little kind of weird kind of sub thing in that movie with Clara oh, Danes, where it was kind of Matt Damon's love interest and she was getting her ass kicked by her boyfriend and Matt Damon had to kind of save her from that. And she killed the boyfriend. Uh, and she killed him. Yeah, I forgot about that, man. I forgot she killed him and everything. And he he hid. He, he did he hi- covered it up. up? He yeah. did cover it up. Yeah, man, I don't remember that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I loved mm-hmm. most of the John Grisham books, but the, uh, there were a he couple was at of the scene was, uh, when she killed him. That's they right. were fighting in he the sh- kitchen. He showed up. And that's she, right. she called him or something. She shot him and killed him. Yeah. and then 
He was getting his ass kicked. Though. It was probably yeah, he was not. getting his ass Matt kicked. Matt Damon was getting it, his ass kicked. I mean, it probably would have been self defense because no. she. He, he wasn't quite Jason Bourne yet. No, no. <laughs> He's just getting his ass kicked. Uh, it was great. There's a couple of those John Grisham movies. Cut, that, cut, cut. There's a uh, <laughs> cut, cut, cut. <laughs> Uh, I love uh, another one that goes under the radar for people is The Chamber. Do you remember The Chamber with Gene Hackman and Chris O'Donnell? Chris O'Donnell, uh, Gene Hackman was on death row. He was, they weren't saying it was the Oklahoma City bombing, but it was something similar. He he was in charge of the Oklahoma City bombing, and he was on death row. And uh, his uh, son was Chris O'Donnell, who was a lawyer, who came in and just visited him. And a lot of it was like dead man walking yeah. with uh, with Sean Penn, where they just go and they talk together and everything. It was good. Did you I, see I read that it. miniseries, the Unabomber, th- that was out. The miniseries? No, I don't think so. You would like it. Yeah. It's it it's it's one part Zodiac, one part like serial. I mean, it's yeah, but it's like very. They had to. They had to try to catch the Unabomber by the language in his manifesto, yeah. and so they they brought they they brought they almost developed this new thing called forensic linguistics, mm-hmm. and that it's like people use the same patterns of words, and and they caught him. They caught the Unabomber because he, you the old saying to to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. It's really to eat your cake and have it too. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a stickler about correcting people. Oh yeah. And he, he did that. Himself. He did that and in, and he put it in the manifesto and his brother read the manifesto yeah. and's like I think this is my brother. Yeah. And the the brother was connected for a long time with that too and I remember um what was I going to say the um damn I lost my train of thought. It was the Unabomber. <laughs> The uh, did they go into a lot of the early stuff where him being uh, tested on with uh, yeah. uh, with the yeah. acid by the yeah. what was it CIA? No, did but tests it's on college. Him? The it was college, college he went to, yeah. yeah he, they had he had you been part of studies like this crazy. Put crazy it on study. your list right now. Watch yeah. this. You'll love it. Yeah, you, I'm sure it's on like Netflix or something. Yeah, like that. you'll I'll love check it. it up. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in that whole thing and then the McVeigh stuff that was part of it and everything. And I even liked when they uh, in uh, Bowling for Columbine where Michael Moore went and talked to the brother at the soybean mm-hmm. farm. Remember that? Where he went and talked to the brother. Oh, I don't remember And he, that. And he had a whole conversation, and, and it huh. got like a little sketchy. Just you could tell that the brother knew more than he did. And it's funny because some waited. of that's like Ruby Ridge, Waco, and Timothy McVeigh with the Oklahoma City bomb, and those threes were all connected. Yeah. Because not loosely connected. Timothy McVeigh yeah. was selling anti-government stickers, and Waco. They have a photo of. Him when they went there, he was young and he went. He yeah. drove to Waco, and that sort of gave him the inspiration. Yeah, it's like that kid from the Trump uh, thing that's uh, that was just part of those riots that shot the people in the streets with yeah. the, uh, with the gun. Then they got pictures of him in the front row at the Trump rally, or like that. How that I'd shit that inundation, that man. Every, it's a real thing. Every time Trump says that we're the Democrats are yeah. stoking violence, I'd stick that asshole's picture Fucking up. On the, yeah, they want to. Uh, they, they want to pardon him. That is the most ridiculous thing in the he world. He killed two people, called his... No, he killed one person, called his friend, and said, yeah. I just killed somebody, yeah. and then went and killed two more well, people. Well, he had his hands up walking to him. I think he thought he was going to get taken down. I, th- I think he was, like, surrendering and everything, and the cops just let him walk by. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, so, yeah, I'll have to put the uh, the that documentary on my list. I've been watching a couple of new things. I watched The Invisible Man the other day, which was all right. It wasn't bad. It was like the Elizabeth Moss show. I mean, mm-hmm. she just had to play crazy through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. It was done by Lee Wynell, which I really like. Finishing just in time. Just in time. The sun is busting on you. <laughs> shining that head up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was a good movie too. So we'll, uh, uh, or it was all right. I don't know if I'd own it, but it was decent enough to watch. 
But, yeah, that's it for the Francis Ford Coppola. I, I wish I could say when we knew there was going to be another Francis Ford Coppola movie coming out. Who knows He's not gonna if he's going to come out of retirement and he's going to do stuff because I don't think he's doing much right now. She's got one coming uh, out. She does, yeah. yeah. We didn't mention much about her. I mean, she Virgin had suicide. done Virgin Suicide. She was really uh, did a great job with and she did a great job with uh, Lost in Translation. When Lost in Translation came out, Lost in Translation, she did win an award. She might have won Best Director for that, to be honest with you. And I thought she was going to be the next huge, huge director, and then she just didn't do much after that. So I'm not sure what's going She's on. She's got a movie coming out in 2020. It's called On the Rocks. It stars Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Huh. And they... Well, that makes sense that she would be Bill Murray, because Bill Murray worked in tr- Lost in Translation. You can almost chalk that up as 2021, though. It ain't going to happen in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they, they said they're going to release the Bond movie in November, in the theater. That's going to be the only Bond movie I'm not going to be able to see in the theater because I'm not going to go see it. But man, that Trump says me we're off. going to have a, a vaccine by then, so yeah. <laughs> that's true. We'll all be safe. <laughs> uh, hopefully, they make it part of like the uh, the buy on demand because I, I would buy. I haven't bought the twenty dollar Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure yet, or a face or the thirty dollar Mulan. Oh uh, God, or that yeah. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. But with Bond, Bond might be the one that makes me drop that twenty because I definitely need to see the Bond, especially with uh, but that's such with a Remy let down to not the see guy. it on a big screen because those are the ones you want to see. Those on are the screen. ones you want to see, like but, that I mean, and all the Mission Impossibles and yeah, that two of them. They, they released a stunt of him jump uh, or I think he, he was either in a motorcycle or a jeep that went over a fucking cliff. They released that uh, stunt yesterday. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard I, about it. I heard a comedy routine in. And you can Google this. Patton Oswald. He's in ninety seconds. He does the whole plot of Armageddon. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> and he hilarious. like quotes some lines, and he just does the whole storyline. That's funny. And through through like quoting lines. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to Google that. Next week, we have a big big episode. Do we? Yes, it's the three year anniversary. Am three I, years. Am, am I on this wild week? card? be wild card man if we can get us all together that's the way we want to do it man okay so we're going to see if we can get us all together big long table uh probably at your house i would imagine is probably the easiest place to do mm-hmm. it uh and uh we go out there i'm uh, i might do a little we might even just pick like three each and then do some games I, i've got some ideas for uh to, to play a couple like uh, tri- trivia games or yeah yeah <laughs> that doesn't pan well for uh for podcasting in the real for audio the real donkey <laughs> for the real donkey justin just got kicked in the head Pause <laughs> over man <laughs> you lost bitch <laughs> wait let me get your teeth for you <laughs> we all lose when someone's kicked by a donkey yeah nobody wins <laughs> but uh yeah so we got that coming up and then uh we've got a uh a robots in film coming up we it's a really great one up with all the famous robots and cyborgs and we have a uh, a character actress pod with a bunch of kick-ass do, character uh, are you actresses. gonna do a tip of the hat to the poly robot that's getting canceled we definitely got it at least for an <laughs> at least an audio clip man happy birthday poly happy birthday poly <laughs> i know what the hell man <laughs> I got a core on the market. I got forty copies of Rocky Four and realized no one wants it anyways. I did. I looked at. I, I was looking at like the uh, the story on Facebook where it came out, and I was reading the reviews. And no one gives a shit. But like, me. Oh. No one gives a shit. They Which like, Rocky was that? I know. Or, or people are like, that was a weird scene. Anyways, like twenty year olds who are going back and watching it, and he was like, yeah, that scene never made sense. It was the eighties, man. I mean, it made sense in the eighties. People did a lot of cocaine back yeah, then. I know. I mean, come on. <laughs> it was Burt Young's. Uh, it was a great Burt Young scene. I, that's the problem with it. As you cut that scene out, you're going to cut all those poly scenes out too. So it's a shame. 
We will not cut anything out. From I just thought movies. it was cool that he had the voice changed. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> it's like, who changed that voice? <laughs> all right, but if you want to get a hold of us, you can check us out on Facebook where you can see all our uh, pictures that we dropped every week of uh, of kind of Pitch we previews do. about what we are uh, got going on, and that's going to be under uh, Fascinating Films on Facebook. You can also shoot us an email at fascinatingwithfilms at gmail.com, or you could leave a like or a comment on our two platforms which is soundcloud and itunes still waiting for our hundred million dollar offer for spotify it's not coming through though i haven't checked my emails in a while so maybe it has i'll check right when we get done yeah (laughs) do it we'll split it (laughs) (laughs) no Uh, window love no window love go sell it (laughs) (laughs) all right well until next week see ya bye i love the smell of napalm in the morning